Last night, I think it was last night, was the Grammys. And I don't really know if it was last night. I think it was because I don't care about the Grammys. I don't watch the Grammys. And I don't think anybody here did watch the Grammys. Anybody? No? No. Nobody watched the Grammys. No. Nobody watched the Grammys. Nobody cared to watch the Grammys. But there was something interesting that's either either a sign of the expansion of the extremism that we see in the mainstream corporate media, or it's a sign that they're becoming so utterly desperate that they're willing to cling onto any narrative that they think will make them money because this rapper performed a song where he actually depicted riots and they did a very propagandized version of the Rayshard Brooks incident. And then activist Tamika Mallory, who's considered to be particularly controversial, notably when the New York Times called her out for anti-Semitism, came out and gave a speech essentially where she said, we don't need allies, we need accomplices, which could be seen as like advocating for crime and calling for people to do more. And it's kind of crazy that a mainstream program, the Grammys would do something like this but I guess the ratings are in the trash, so probably probably nobody really wants to watch. And they were hoping that people like me would call them out to generate some kind of buzz for their failing program, which is a part of the conversation as well. So we have a, story, we, we have a lot to talk about in, in this uh, culture war space. We also have now uh, Teen Vogue, right? They tried to hire this uh, editor-in-chief lady, and employees at Teen Vogue tried to cancel this new hire, so they ended up losing a seven-figure ad deal, backfiring, canceling themselves. And we're going to talk about this because we have one of the best people to actually talk about music and comedy, as well as what may be viewed as offensive performances and things like that. We are joined today by Rucka Rucka Ali. Do you speak up a little bit? I couldn't hear you. You might want to, you might want to take off the mask. All right. What's up, you, man? Want to, you want to pull the microphone up to your mouth now. There you go. How's that? Nice <laughs> it close. sounds good. Yeah. So, uh, Rucka, you said that you're a, a rapper, a musician, and a self-described black activist? Yeah, that sounds about right. But you mean like an activist for Black Lives Matter or like, you know, black issues, or were you just screwing with me? No, I, I was telling you the truth. So, do so you want to in- introduce yourself for the show? Hey, everybody. Nice to see you. Good evening. My name is Rucka Rucka Ali, the last black man on the internet. And you might be asking, what the F are you doing here? I'll tell you. I'm here to ask Tim Pool (laughs) some questions about the cat. (laughs) Oh, snap. In the hat, that is. Uh, Oh, the Dr. Seuss (laughs) thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dr. Seuss, big fan. Aren't we all? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were very concerned about that story about the cat in the hat. In the the hat. Yeah, but that, that book was fine. So we don't have much to worry about in that front. I think people want to hear your opinion about it. You know, anything you might have to <laughs> all right, say on it. All right. All right. I see where this is going. Uh, but no, no, for real, uh, outside of that, you, 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 like, you want to actually get into your politics and your philosophy? Because you're actually a pretty serious guy. Yeah, we'll get in. I mean, we can get into anything. Yeah, let's do Because Biden it. wants to raise taxes. Mother. Okay, now we're not supposed to swear. No, I saw sorry. that look on your face. Family show. Listen, you know, uh, there's a lot of anti-corporate sentiment I'm seeing around the world right now. A lot of people saying they're suspicious of anyone who uh, is making money and cares about their money. But you should see the look on Tim's face just now when I was about to demonetize this whole thing with some <laughs> Thank cr- you for curse not. words. How dare you? Oh, what's the matter? Need your little money? What happened to free speech or die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're about that. But I mean, we're not staunch libertarians here on the show. Oh, you're only libertarian uh, until it's time to protect your uh, monetization status. Absolutely, yes, of Correct. course. And then I think we should have a bunch of armed guards... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. No, I think that's usually I think, how it ends up. I think there's actually a good philosophical conversation about the limits of free speech. You know, 
I think there's a lot of good conversations we've got ahead of us tonight. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after we're not this. Not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, we're not oh, going. After after Ian's introduction. What up, everybody? Yeah, hey, thanks for coming. Thanks, guys. Good to see you, buddy. Um, you can follow me at IanCrossland.net. But let's get it going. Hey, let me be honest with you. I just met you. I don't. Something about you bothers me. You look like one of these musicians, you know. You were right. Who goes out, you play the gig, and that's cool. But then we catch you out, out back of the venue after the show. You've had a few drinks, and you're a little loose with the language. You're nervous. dropping like little a few gamer words here and there. <laughs> no gamer words. No gamer words. Getting a little handsy with the ladies uh, without <laughs> written consent. I'm like Keanu that, Reeves, man. That describes Ian perfectly. One inch off <laughs> yeah. the back. You've read him like a book. I'm good with stereotypes. <laughs> I get loud. I don't know. The stereotype I get from Ian is like DMT hippie. Where's the DMT? Not here. It's illegal. We don't, we don't commit right. crimes. We're very much in favor of uh, law and authority on this show. Have you smoked DMT before? I don't think so. I'm mostly kidding, by the way. But I it is illegal. It. This is a family-friendly <laughs> yeah. show. Your That's body's right. making it, though. It's in your muscles and your brain. Hey, man. It grows in the ground. Why can't I smoke it with my infant, bro? That's it's right. natural. <laughs> Why do you hate God? <coughs> That's Listen, it. You showed me a little tour of your house. I've seen some hidden rooms that I don't even think the previous owners knew about. That's right. And the first thought I had when I saw those rooms is like back when marijuana was illegal, this would be where? Prohibition. Like, like Chicago. I'm from Chicago. See, I know what's up. You get it. You know where no, to grow that. But so. I actually have friends in Chicago. You can actually find buildings that are old speak, old, like, I'll put it this way. I, I used to hang out at this house where the bathroom window made no sense because when you open it, it was a brick wall. But then if you reached your hand along the wall, you would find there was an opening to your left and they would transfer like little bits of beer, like jugs and stuff Ooh. back and forth. So it was the weirdest thing to have a building with a window to a brick wall. But it was like kind of obvious when you thought about it. I guess during Prohibition, people were a lot stupider. So the cops were like, this, this, this window seems perfectly normal, even though it looks at a brick wall. Hmm, no problem here. And that's how they talked back then. Yeah. You know? So that's like how the cops were. I don't, I don't know why people think. They, did they really talk that way back then? Of Probably. course they used to talk that way back then. <laughs> what do you think? You weren't there. Yeah. Now, I don't know what you're trying to get at, but I don't like it. Let me tell you, sit down and hear what I have to say. See? Harry Truman's a great example. Did yeah. he talk like that? Yeah, it was some Harry accent. Truman. Yeah. yeah. I heard that it was actually the recording technology we had back then cut off like the mid-ranges, so mm -hmm. you hear a higher-pitched version. Teddy Roosevelt. Too. But they did talk like this, you know. You, someday they're going to see like footage of President Trump and they're going to think this is just the average guy in 20. <laughs> You're right. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, we also have uh, Sarah Patchelich. I am here buttons. in the corner. I'm pushing buttons. We're going to laugh a lot tonight. I think we're going to have a great time. Ladies and gentlemen, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become yes. a member to get exclusive members only segments and help support the show because I think Rucka's is going to try and get us banned. I'm only half kidding. <laughs> I don't have to try. Oh, oh, God. Oh, 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 oh can we get a three, four person go, oh, <laughs> why? No. why? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, it's beautiful, it's great range, it's never gonna happen, wow, there you go, imagine, turn your mic off. oh, you know what I can do, get, get no, out of your no. how about this, you super chat or I, Oh, snap. He's going to end it. He's got his finger over the computer. I want you all super chatting very nice things about me, or I will not hesitate to turn this thing off. Don't do it. We will be remaining, spending the remainder of the show reading super chats and nothing more, or we will get complete silence. All right. All right. All right. This is why you got to join TimCast.com, because we got we got troublemakers on the show sometimes. You know, they're just going to want to turn the computer off. But at TimCast.com, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, hit the notification bell. And let's let's check out the story real quick. So this is from BuzzFeed. They say... Lil Baby's powerful Grammy performance 
that referenced George Floyd gave me chills. He deserves an award just for that performance. They say, my God, he just did the damn thing. Amazing. So he's like wearing this fake bulletproof vest. And they show this mock incident of Rayshard Brooks. Now, for those that aren't, don't remember, Rayshard Brooks was the, was the guy who was driving drunk. And he was in the Wendy's drive-thru when he passed out drunk. Because he wouldn't move, someone called the cops, may have been the restaurant. When the police showed up, they were like, you know, out of the vehicle, you've had too much to drink. When they tried to arrest him, he actually fought the cops, punched one of the cops in the face. There's multiple camera angles of the security footage, body cams, and then actually grabbed the taser and hit one of the cops with it, knocking him to the ground. The cop hit his head, got a concussion. When he ran for it, the cop, the other cop uh, gave chase. Rayshard Brooks turned and then fired the second cartridge from the taser. And that's when the cop drew his weapon and shot the guy twice and it killed him. We saw a lot of media propaganda. They put out this fake clip, this fake, this fake still from the incident where they tried claiming the cop kicked the guy when he was down, kicked Brooks when he's down. It didn't happen. But now what we're seeing at the Grammys of all things is they're doing this reenactment where in the reenactment, it's like the guy just peacefully gets on the ground and like puts his hands up. And it is not at all what you see in the actual body camera footage. For those that don't actually know the story, they would see this and they would believe the activist narrative as opposed to the actual truth. And this is one of the biggest problems we have right now, I think, in the country is that a lot of people, they get their information secondhand. They get it distilled by people with political motives and agendas. And that's true of this show. And it's true of the Grammys. Granted, I think we're a bit more discerning and a bit more honest on this show. And there are many other political commentators who will be more honest. But for the most part, when it filters through people with agendas, you get lies and misrepresentations. But the bigger thing about this was that they brought out T- uh, Tamika Mallory. The reason that's interesting is because she's been accused of pushing anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. This was by the New York Times. And it, it made everybody really question the women's march, of which she was one of the principal organizers. And I think there was a big controversy, like some groups broke up, some pulled out. A bunch of activists were like, we don't want to be involved in this because she's got questionable uh, associations in this uh, a speech or whatever. She said, we don't need allies. We need accomplices. Hmm. And the crazy thing is when they're doing this depiction of riots as kind of a good thing and they're having this activist come out and say these things, I think it's actually fairly worrying. So I guess the, the bigger question, though, is the political ramifications of this and whether or not we should actually even care about the Grammys, both because it's a tra- it's trash and the ratings are trash and no one cares about the Grammys or more importantly, because should we get all hot and bothered by offensive performances, you know, because we don't like it? So, Rucka, considering you're, you, you, do, you do these videos, you clearly have no issue, um, what's the right word, being a troublemaker, I guess. I'm curious, actually, what you think about, you know, this kind of stuff. I don't know if you've been following this, but I know you're, 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 you're a bit philosophical, right? Yeah. Well, so, what, what, what are your, what's, what's your thoughts on what's been going on this past year and, like, the Grammys, for instance? I mean, it used to be, like, you know, 95% music and 5%, you know, let's take this opportunity to remember that, like, killing unarmed civilians, uh, you know, and calling them gamer word with your arm, uh, with your boot on their neck in their dying moments is not the way to uh, progress forward as a nation. Now it's like 110% statements and like 1% music. Music. And I, you know, people are going to say, oh, that's way more percentage points than logic permits. So... I'm going to pass it along to the, the, the smart-looking guy here to explain that one. <laughs> Ian. I think accomplice is a legal term for meaning that you're there for the crime. So, I mean, that's like a legal term. Uh, it's a weird word to use at the Grammys when you're talking about street violence. Definitely. Yeah. When you're talking about people burning down a Wendy's that had nothing to do with anything. I, I guess they were mad the Wendy's employees called the police because there was a drunk driver blocking their driveway. 
And so they call. So then they decided to burn the Wendy's down. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. But like, I think they're um, they're they've got premises that most people unfortunately have. So like, do you ever hear people saying like, um, "We gotta stop big tech"? You know, we gotta stop letting big tech treat us this way. So they're taking all these separate companies, grouping them as though they're a monolith, and wanting to basically either punish them or hamper them collectively. So why shouldn't uh, all stores around the neighborhood get punished collectively if I people mean, are upset at the police? This, that's, this is not a stretch. This is not a reach. I'm, I think I'm making a point. You're not going to hear anywhere but the TimCast podcast. Please go to TimCast.org. Com. Yeah. Com. There's a big difference between a fast food restaurant that called the cops and big tech companies that actually have meetings together and are proven to actually collude with each other to remove political dissent. So, like, there's not a concerted effort among Wendy's, McDonald's, and Burger King to to frame black individuals who fall asleep in their driveways. It was just some employee who was like, yo, there's some guy, like, sleeping in the driveway. Can you help us? And then when he fought the cops, he ended up losing his life, which is bad, by the way. I mean, cops should not be judge, jury, executioner. But this is a guy who grabbed a taser and turned and was trying to fire it at, at, at the cop. You can argue if the cops should not have used lethal force or whatever. That's that's something. But look, you you know as well as I do, people talk about Silicon Valley as if it's a monolith. So yeah, maybe Twitter, Facebook, pa- Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube maybe met together. But at the same time, there's like a trillion other companies that are hoping to someday be at that level. They're doing plenty of work, and these companies are also trying to compete against one another. But they're they're lumped together mentally as, as though they're a monolith, and I'm just I'm just pointing that out. That's all. I'm yeah, saying. that's a good point. Like, it, the, thank you. The term See, corporate, it's a good point. We cor- can move on. Corporate media that yeah. gets thrown around. I don't trust the corporate media. Timcast. Timcast is a corporation. It it's a, it's is. a media corporation. I trust it. I work for it. But know. like, yeah, I, I guess I agree. You know, we we can absolutely do that. I think in terms of big tech, Silicon Valley. There's kind of like a theme people tend to be getting at. They control technology and infrastructure. And then with like Wendy's getting burnt to the ground. I don't know. Would you support, you know, Google being burnt to the ground because activists were mad that there was hate speech on it? Of course not. I don't I don't support even demonizing Google or or uh, condemning these companies in the vast majority of cases or in some cases. Yeah. Criticize them harshly. But uh, obviously, I don't I don't allow any level of violence by private citizens. Um, we, we got a rule of law. Hmm? Rule of law. I mean, and you see, and I hate to bring this up five minutes into the show, but when you look at the Capitol storming, you're seeing a bunch of reckless people treating everyone in that building as though they're part of this uh, concerted effort to uh, per- deprive them of their of their right. rights or something like that. I mean, we, we need to think critically and we need to be clear. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so what are your thoughts on uh, just like, I guess, the wokeification and the activist a- activistification of media and like, you know. The Grammys, award shows, commercials, commercial products. I'll, I'll put it this way. You know, you're, you're, you're talking, it sounds like you're in defense of these, these corporations to a certain degree. Is that fair to say? Depends what they're being accused of. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm saying like, you know, I see two big power monopolies, government and corporations. And I think left unchecked, power tends to corrupt absolutely. So I don't care if you're the government. I don't care if you're big oil or big tech or big Wendy's. You know, or, or the Grammys pushing out a political message. I think it's a problem when too much power is concentrated in a specific area. You don't think you're what someone could call big YouTuber? I'm big. I'm, I'm a YouTuber. You're a big YouTuber. Yeah. You have a lot more influence than a lot of people. So, like, if you could always look at, at somebody much bigger and say, oh, they, no one should have that much power. But we know it's not power. Power is force. 
Power is pointing a gun at somebody. Okay, now we're getting demonetized. I meant metaf- Well, no, actually, I no, meant- that's li- fine. Yeah. I mean, I talked about the killing of a dude by cops. I think we need to differentiate economic power from political power. And the more we conflate the two, the more we conflate political and economic power, the more we're going to see economic power become the government. That is, corporations have friends in Washington, and and we're going to see political power, basically politicians taking over the economy, taking over industry. So it's an ugly thing to watch. But it's it's been happening over 100 years over longer than 100 years. So like, keep in mind, a lot of the outrageousness we see today is like the culmination of decades and decades and decades of of these changes taking place. So there was always radicals talking about killing cops for many decades. Um, we've had all types of shenanigans, people burning down the city when they're unsatisfied. This goes back probably to the days of like Irish people in the 19th century or whatnot. I don't mean to insult any Irish people. I love gingers. I love everybody who looks like that. Um, <laughs> I'm just well, saying there was, like, there was like the, um, what, what, do you guys know what that thing was in Chicago where the anarchists, like it was an explosion. What was that? What was that? I don't called? know that much about it. I used to, I used to know a lot more about this. I forgot. It's been, yeah. it's been a minute, but I, I think that's a fair point to, uh, to mention too, is that like the extremism used to be substantially worse, I think, in not just this country, but many other countries, where you actually had, like, you know, the Weather Underground was planting bombs and actually detonating them. Now we have widespread rioting over the past year, which arguably could be worse in that it's causing way more damage, disrupting way more people's lives. But I think, you know, you go back 100 years, this is really bad. I mean, you, you've, you've had treason, you've had sedition, you've had literal plots that involve high-powered weapons and warships. And we're actually, it's kind of like fading a bit, you know, and the conflicts we're getting into now are mostly people protesting and pushing each other and shoving. Some people get arrested and they scream police brutality and then they, they do burn down buildings and stuff. So my fear is whether or not this escalates into more serious violence. That's what I don't want to happen. There's no question that crime has gone down overall over the last few decades. I, I don't think there's any question of that. So like overall, the, we've gotten more civilized, but like what we've seen not just this, not just in 2020, but I mean, you know, there's been plenty of rioting and looting and all types of outrageous stuff happening, you know, for for some time. But like 2020 was the year of get no more F's to give. Right. Yeah. And um, I don't feel like this country is my home anymore. You know, that's kind of the feeling I got in the summer of 2020. That's how I felt on January 6th. And I know someone's going to comment. Oh, that's 2021. How about I come over there and we settle this? Get all of your little uh dvd collecting proud boys and i'll get all my blm people and we'll settle this so all wait, of you wait, wait, internet wait. commenters i'm i'm gonna find every last one of you what, do you what do you mean summer of 2020 you're talking about the, the, the yeah the, the the rioting the the, the violence, BLM burning down wendy's and private private businesses and um uh the police stations i mean it's absolutely uh disheartening to say the least and um and i was wondering is it gonna seep into residential areas like what what it did Okay, but I mean, is it going to basically just be home after home getting broken into and that's it? Goodbye to any semblance of civilization. Uh, I just had a horrific uh, portent about the Chinese military invading and swiftly taking over the United States like a blitzkrieg. Like if Mm -hmm. we were stupid enough to to let our girl like they were running war games and they're like, no, we we can't stop the Chinese if they attacked us. No, we talked uh, about this with James Lindsay. Are you familiar with with James Maybe he does, he's a, he's like a very uh, he's a he's a the preeminent scholar on critical race theory in, in terms of criticizing it and what's what it's doing and this like wokeness and things like that. And what he was mentioning when it comes to China is that they're using political warfare. 
So it seems more like they're interfering in our culture. They're interfering in our advertisements, our, 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 you know, cultural creations, our TV shows, our radio programs, our schools and things like that. So you end up with ultra woke Grammys asking for people to basically commit crimes. This, this is the thing. This performance they did. And the reason I think it's important to bring up is that it's not that they're directly saying, hey, go commit crimes. They're showing riots, viewing those riots as the good guys, like they're depicting that as they're the good guys, the cops, the bad guys, the people burning down the buildings or the Black Lives Matter activists who are fighting, the, who are the good guys. Then they say we need accomplices. They're advocating for tearing ourselves apart. This is people in the United States pointing the finger at the United States and saying, burn it down. Burn it all down. There's a direct quote from a lot of these activists. They've jumped up on cars and they've yelled, burn it all down. Do you think people in China do that? They don't. Now, first and foremost, they're not legally allowed to. And that's that's kind of scary that you've got these two views. In the U.S., you're allowed to. So we actually just fight ourselves and scream at each other. And then in China, they're forced to, you know, this authoritarian system keeps them in line. And they're growing rapidly. They're expanding. They're engaging in political warfare with us. And then we're on the verge of falling apart. I mean, that was a bold statement you just made. What, you which, which statement you, was You that? didn't feel like this was your country anymore. I mean, it was a true statement. It was an emotional uh, tell. I mean, the, yeah, like seeing, uh, you know, Melrose Avenue, Beverly Hills, seeing, you know, seeing beautiful things destroyed and not only destroyed, but being like apologized for that, meaning like people downplaying the severity of it and people encouraging it. Um I just I don't feel like L.A. is a city where I could meet somebody in the street and, and feel a bond with them. Now, obviously, a lot of people were not happy with what took place, to put it lightly. But but I mean, uh, the fact that culturally people are comfortable b- encouraging such behavior says that morally, you know, in, in, in the way people think about ethics, these people have the people committing that type of violence have the moral high ground. That's why they're comfortable getting on the Grammys and and saying we need accomplices so, I mean, the question to ask is not, I think, not so much what's wrong with critical race theory, but what's the alternative? What are you offering as, as an alternative? Lip, uh, classical liberalism. Interesting, interesting uh, statement. Yeah. Now, what does that mean to you? Classical liberalism is typically about protecting the rights of the individual. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the strongest uh, way to put it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there any more specific? Well, I mean, uh, I think versus like what we're seeing with critical race theory is race-based collectivism. So we can get into... Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like where you're going with this, but is there a period of time in American history, for instance, you would say that's like when the classical liberals hung out? What, what do you mean? Like, would you say the founding fathers? Would you say the 1940s? Like, is there a period of time? No. Uh, there's, some, there's some elements of classical liberalism that have existed in the United States at various, at various periods, but mm-hmm. it's never been like... Has it ever been more than less? Is there is there like a? I, I don't think the U.S. has ever been mostly classically liberal or libertarian in that in that regard. Interesting. If you go back to the founding fathers, for instance, mm-hmm. slavery. Like there's there's no question, people were kept as property, and more importantly, while the the ideas of classical liberalism helped drive the idea that we no longer had to be under the knee of some you know divine prominence, the king declaring it. We certainly didn't have absolute freedoms. There was cultural uh, uh, um, enforcement of various ideas, women not being able to do certain certain things, but we've progressed greatly. My issue now is that we got to this period where it was like, it was almost going to get pretty good. You know, in the 90s, we still had censorship, but we had that air. We had people like George Carlin and we had, you know, he, he he was willing to be offensive and say things that really ruffled feathers. We do have people like that today still. Now we're starting to get hard pushback from more moral authoritarians again. And so my, 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 my thing is like, 
we, we don't want critical race theory. We don't want race-based collectivism. That, that to me is nightmarish, right? There's this guy who just went viral earlier today because he, he's, he tweeted to Bill Burr, who's got a black wife, that it may be a sign of racism. And he referred to Bill Burr's wife and he's, he's claiming he did, but he did as a minority adult like, use slave. We'll put it that like way. Like Sally Hemings. He, or- he, he, he literally claimed like Bill Burr was keeping this woman around for his pleasure as a slave. And it was one of the most shockingly disgusting things I've heard from a critical race theorist. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hey, let's respect the individual. Let's live and let live. Let's let's have some, some we, we need some regulation and some restriction, but we mostly want individual freedom. We there, there's there's an interesting debate in the idea of collectivism and that there does have to be some, not none, but that we're going in the wrong direction with it. Does that answer your question? Am I, did I do a good job? I mean, you gave me your point of view. Um, I, so I think the topic of slavery and women's suffrage complicates things in a way that's difficult for me to make the point that I'm trying to make. But at, obviously, in most of history, slavery and ownership of women, basically uh, pushing, you know, telling women what to do has been the norm. I think your co-host looks like he still supports those things. Um, <laughs> Why are you ragging on Ian so much, man? That, you got to have that guy. It's like a grounding rod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ian's the opposite of those things. Yeah, He's like the, yeah. the leftiest guy on the show. He's so nice. I can't I'm say saying. too much, no. <laughs> now, but like in the, so I think in their time, uh, the Enlightenment thinkers, you know, the age of reason, as Thomas Paine, I think, dubbed it, uh, people like Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, and, you know, people joke, people laugh at you now, especially people on the right. They mock you for saying this. But in their context, in their time in history, even though slavery was a norm, even though women were still largely seen as basically trading cards, in their context, they were taking a very bold new step. Yeah. It for man in drafting the Declaration of Independence, saying life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And they were going to have property. Did you know this? They were going to have property, life, liberty, property and the pursuit of happiness. And I wish they had it in there in order to help us have a lot more capitalism for a lot longer, possibly. But you know why they didn't have property in there? Because they didn't. They wanted to stick it to the slaveholders because they knew they would use their so-called property, their slaves as an extra vote or something like that. All right. But so it, when you look at context, when you see uh, that when you look at the history of philosophy and all of the uh, great brave steps that it took to go from the um, the just bl- uh, blurry and reckless ancient and prehistoric, even before that prehistoric times to get to a point where you have intellectuals establishing a country and being willing to fight for it. But then once the war is won, to sit and debate painstakingly and to um to look at, ask, what is human nature? What is the best type of society for a human being to live and to pursue life, liberty, and his own happiness? To get to that point is a magnificent intellectual achievement that we take for granted. So when I say classical liberal, I'm talking about those guys. I'm talking about the age of reason. And I'm not talking about what came after them, especially in America, like intellectuals that, pragmatists, utilitarians, uh, progressives, obviously, and of course, we get the postmoderns and we get the, uh, you know, the critical race theorists, which is probably an offshoot of postmodern or something. I'm not, I'm, I'm not an expert like your previous guest. Go. I agree with you on the founding fathers. They, it, a lot of people don't realize this, but it wasn't just a political revolution. It was an ideological revolution. Mm-hmm. A lot of pe- a lot of countries on the world were under the crown or some monarch or, or some autocrat or some kind of system where it was, you know, these kings would say by divine provenance, I am the king. God wills it, you know, and then they would just tell people do it or else. And they had people who are loyal to that idea and to them. And then all of a sudden you get these this this group of people in the, in the U.S. 
some of some of them I, I've, I've read it, uh, a little bit about this. The authority of the founding fathers was questioned even by some like based on how they were voted to represent the colony they came from, because it was like, who saith this colony that you represent them and want independence? But these are a lot of people who are like, yo, we don't need a king. We can rule by the consent of the governed. We can create something new. It's truly profound. And there were a lot of ideas. But I think when you look back at history, while I absolutely take the good from the founding fathers, I've got the coin collection for Thomas Jefferson. I love it. I think the dude was a genius. I also think he was a product of his times. There's a lot of things back then we criticize. The reason I don't don't highlight all of those and emphasize them and condemn the founding fathers over those things is that we've changed. And we don't want to be like, we hate these people because they did bad things. No, we, say, we want to say, they did bad things, but here are these really, really good things we're keeping now. But I do think it's fair to point out. I mean, they, they did a lot of bad things, but that we're not here to talk about them as people. We're talking about the ideas that they promoted right. and the effect, that, what made them stand out in history. But, and so, while I agree with you the, about the founding fathers, for their time was a radical bunch of classical liberal types fighting for the rights of the individual against this king, willing to literally fight and die. And many of the signatories of the Declaration of Independence had their legacies, their names, and their lives stripped away from them. There was, there, there was a bold and amazing bunch of people. To go back then... I think would be a rude awakening for, for a lot of people today in terms of what you could or couldn't do because of cultural and social enforcement. So that's, that's my big concern today with things like critical race theory, Black Lives Matter and commercials, that it's not so much about what's legal. You're allowed to go and do things. It's about someone will dig up a tweet from you from 10 years ago, and then you can never get a job again. You're basically being ostracized for something at the time was fine and now isn't. Well, that's um, cultural enforcement. Imagine having such magnificent technology where you can do such a thing as tweet and then someone else can dig up that tweet and you don't need and nobody's forcing you to sign up for Twitter in the first place. And there's the the technology we're living with is what they would have called science fiction a very short time ago, let alone going back in the day. So and I'm, I'm not saying let's go back and live like Washington and Jefferson. I'm saying we need to uh, look at the ideas that they came up with, fine tune them and expand them to everybody, you know, include all races and all 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 78 genders. I'm saying I'm, there's like 144. That, I think it, I, no, I mean, that literally, and they have and anyone way. who identifies at any gender obviously has the right to do that. I think we all can agree with that. Um but um, they don't have the right to require somebody else to call, to call them anything or to treat them any certain which way. Is, which is part of what I'm saying about mm-hmm. cultural enforcement. So, look, obviously— But also, like, you can't really speak about what's taking place in the culture and not acknowledge the fact that we have a largely meddled-with economy. So we have business and government largely blended together, regulation and subsidies, right? So favors and penalties. You got to divorce the two, and that's exactly— uh, what the founding fathers should have done more explicitly, they did a pretty good job implementing a separation of state from economics. Not a perfect job, but a pretty good job. But they c- should have put it in writing. So in the con- in the Constitution, it should have said separate church from state, separate economics from state. Wouldn't that be one? I don't. I don't think separation of church and state is in the Constitution, though. Uh, wherever it is, I think it was just like an ideal of the founding fathers <laughs> sure. that was enshrined in like their writings. And I don't know if it is. Maybe I the just, Federalist Papers or something. I think it is, isn't it? In a, well, I guess the First Amendment is what you would say is kind of where we get that right 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 the right of the individual to be this is the place for the highest uh, cutting edge intellectuals on the internet right now we got tim pool we got me we got this mother (laughs) hey hey (laughs) and just ragging on ian (laughs) and producer lydia lydia yes yeah so here's what i mean by uh uh, i want to go back to cultural enforcement Mm. if we want to take these good ideas from the founding fathers i completely agree with you I want those to be put more in application today 
have the individual, the right, anybody who wants to identify as whatever they want can, can be respected and live their lives. But it's the authoritarianism. It's the, if you don't say this, you're fired, right? We had an actor on the show uh, last week and he was saying like, he goes to these rehearsals and they're all announcing their pronouns. And it's not, it, it's not like there's a law, but you know what happens if you refuse to do it? You don't get your job and you don't work. And then you may as well find a different career, one that's not been infected by this cultural dogma. So if you want classical liberalism, you've got to contend with the fact that, you know, politics is downstream from culture. We can get a bunch of great politicians to talk about a bunch of great ideas. But then if no one is willing to do certain things because they're scared, their neighbors will yell at them. It just won't happen. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, I said you can't you can't look at the way the world is going and people are having their livelihoods destroyed and all types of problems without acknowledging the fact we have a regulatory state and a largely tampered with economy. But I'll go further and say you can't look at the way people behave and what they believe without acknowledging the history of philosophy. So the fact we have a world where so many people uh, think they can invent their own gender or that we live in a world where people think that, you know, calling for accomplices in basically overthrowing civil order is acceptable and that is conducive to life on Earth. It speaks to philosophical development. So I will offer you the following. After the founding fathers and the men of the age of reason, and maybe some women as well, I don't know, um, sort of came up with their innovations in philosophy, and they discovered that the nature of man calls for his rights to be protected by a government with a monopoly on force. And I think John Locke, John, do you, have you even read Locke? You know, played a large role in, in providing people like Thomas Paine with uh, those ideas. But after America was established, the, um, the intellectuals of the generations after them, uh, they put all of their effort into basically reversing what the founders had implemented intellectually. So the, uh, what they call the, um, not before the progressives, uh, the, the, uh, pragmatists, Pragmatism is the American philosophy, not the founder's philosophy, but like the post-founding American philosophy. You go to any public school, you go to any house of learning since, you know, sometime in the 19th century and onward, pragmatism was like the, uh, was the American philosophy, which it was influenced by the Germans. It was influenced by Hegel, um, and other, and Kant and other philosophers who rejected certainty. They said, look, all, all you know is you can't be certain. I mean, they said a lot of other things too, but once that was in place, once intellectual said that the individual cannot look at the world independently, observe it independently, and be rational about it, and make indep independently rational decisions and live and should be protected in doing so, that his rights, right to do so should be protected. Once they were rejecting that type of independence and they rejected reason in essence— the era of the founders was over. The era of the, the age of reason was over. And now you had educators basically training students to be well-socialized young boys and girls. They were teaching them to be sheep. They were teaching them not to think. And at, with each generation, we've seen it get worse. We, we've seen people get less independent, less rational. We've seen random acts of violence. You know, in the 19th century, there would be someone who would shoot up people randomly. And it was shocking, but it happened. Obviously, f jump forward to modern times, and before this lockdown, it was like every two weeks, uh, some. It's kid. actually worse now. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, when you reject reason at the highest levels of the intellectual world, then what do you expect kids to be taught in you know elementary school? Think about that I that idea of you know divine providence or whatever mm -hmm. that 
just trust me, the Lord wills that I be king or whatever. You got to take away reason from an individual if you want to establish a system like that. For the longest time, people didn't reason. It just was. And so long as you had the zealotry, the king could maintain power. Y'all, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a, a statement that's going to get me in trouble, but I'm going to say it anyway. Here we go. Donald Trump's presidency is in, is in a certain way similar to like the way you're describing the American Revolution and the founding fathers. You're, you're angry now. See, well, hold uh, on. Let, let me, let me tell you why. All right. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying because no, of, I, I think, no, hold, I, I, but, yeah. but I'll get the idea. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying because Trump was right. I'm not saying because Trump was good. I'm saying because it was basically an affront to the established order. That Donald Trump was not supposed to win. Whatever it is he was doing was was offensive to those in power. And so they very much did not like him and said, this can't happen again. I look back at the founding fathers and you have this point where there was a deviation away from the crown and the absolute authority of those who were, you know, willed to be kings. And like you mentioned, all of a sudden, generation after generation, they've stripped away reason and taught children to be better and better sheep till now here we are. Well, I mean, uh, I, I think a lot of people who like Trump um, that are wh- whom are not bad people would probably say they were drawn to him for reasons that you described because they see a sort of pushback against authority, authority or being told what to do. And they see him as sort of this uh, kind of independent guy that doesn't let the media or anyone tell him what to do. I get that. But left um, sort of unchecked, like kind of left without... Um, Without any correction, what Trump, I think, represents is just this dispensing with any sort of rational method. Trump says what passes through his head, and that becomes so-called reality, and his fans love it. They're willing to die on that hill, quite literally, I think. So A decent amount of them. I would say, you know, look, out of 74.2 million people, it was a I'm much not, smaller fraction. I'm not talking about, about anyone who voted for him, because a lot of people voted for Trump as the lesser of two evils, or even because they liked some things about him. But, I mean, I'm talking about what Trump represents, the way he's influenced the Republican Party, the way he's influenced the way people go about politics. Um, I think he definitely represents a serious development for the worse, but I, I get where you're coming from when you say that car, kind of emotionally he he speaks to people sent sort of like the ghost of the founding fathers in... I don't even mean that, though. No. I'm just saying, like, you have an established order. You have, you have the Democratic and Republican establishment. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden Trump comes along and he's a bull just stampede, stampeding through and kind of just knocking over their stuff. I'm not saying there's an equivalence in his philosophy. I'm saying that you have you have kings, you have colonization, you have war, you have monarchs, autocrats... And here come the founding fathers saying, screw you, what are you going to do about it? Well, physically fought to remember, st- the founding fathers were intellectuals. And when they weren't killing the British, they were taking a, a lot of time to make sure they got it right. And they had beliefs about the nature of man. And they were intellectuals. And they were really the one time in history that intellectuals were also blowing heads off, but then carefully crafting out a system of government. So I could basically flip that and say the way Trump behaves, the way he's willing to basically smash the system reminds me of some Attilas in history, some Genghis Khan. No, sure. So, I mean, <clears throat> by the way, the by the way, kings, kings are not a natural fact of history. Like, uh, kings, king, the rule of kings did not just evolve like, uh, like the chimpanzee. The, the king, there was a time when there was like, let's say democracy in Greece. Far from perfect, but much better than, you know, just the king and the pope. Right. Telling peasants how to live. Uh, there was Rome. It devolved. There was know. Rome, which was, you know, also a Senate type of system. There was, there were, um, ancient sort of ages of reason where they, where they highly embraced reason and they really wanted to get it right. And so how did we go from that to the dark age, which very much exists? 
Oh, do you, it seems think, like, you think we're getting into that? It's possible. I like, think it was the rejection of reason, which is why you get brutes in charge. But, 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 but real quick, sorry. You know, just, oh, yeah. Do you think we're heading into another dark age? If we, uh, on the route we're going, absolutely. I, I'm sad to say. I mean, listen, I can't predict something like that. Like, let's say it's possible that authoritarianism is on the rise, but let's say technology is just developing so fast and people love it so much that the authoritarians don't want to take that away from people. Like, there's a, there's a number of, um, outcomes that where this can take us that I, I cannot predict. I can't just rationalistically say, nope, like all the, uh, all the things add up, like it all adds up. We're going to have, um, authoritarianism. I can't predict that, but the way we're going, the way that reason is being rejected, the way that brute force is being celebrated and we're seeing brute force a lot. And so to have, um, somebody like Trump in such a prominent place in society, I think, uh, sadly does not say something positive about where we're heading. I like how many nods I've been getting from you, you know? I, uh, I'm i happy. I feel I feel comfortable. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'll just share, get, get your ideas and your thoughts, you know what I mean? Appreciate I'll, I'll give you mine. Mm-hmm. But I will clarify, too. I'm not saying Trump is like the Founding Fathers. Mm-hmm. We, we can argue that there was an aberration in the established order where the Founding Fathers pushed us heavily towards individualism and freedom. And then with Trump, it was a rejection of, of establishment. They're not the same thing, mm-hmm. right? So the point I was making more so was that the powers that be were outraged. And what I see is with Trump, there was this this concerted effort to fortify the election, as Time magazine called it, because they did not want Trump to to, you know, become president again or to get reelected with the founding fathers. I absolutely believe, you know, what you were saying is true. There's there's a lot of people probably just because the system is exploitable when you when you have freedom, it's very difficult to maintain because cheaters can cheat. It's not true. You don't think so. Then how did they how have they done it? How have they done what? Over time, our system has been exploited to push for the lowest common denominator. Our school systems are are, are making, you know, our, our youth in, institutionalized and incapable. And now we end up with a generation of uh, millennials saddled with massive debt for degrees they can't use. And what skills have they earned from spending all this money and just being extracted essentially by Sal, you know, what it's it, Freddie Mac and Sally Mae, those names of the company, mm-hmm. or these, these, these big loans. Freddie Mae or Sally Mae. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the companies. This, are. Is, this, I think is, your, this is your place for mortgage uh, info. Yeah, that's right. Mortgage. You got all the news. No, I just mean like, listen, I mean, to I, go from the founding yeah. fathers, mm-hmm. freedom, to yeah. now have people demanding communism. Well, not only are they demanding com, I don't even know how much people are demanding communism. I think people, like let's say on the far left, are demanding some type, something even uglier than communism, like some kind of Cambodian e- egalitarianism, where everyone with any level of privilege is shaved down. I, I'm with, that's a scary thought. Listen, man. I can I can sit here and throw red meat all day to people on the right <laughs> and say these leftists are as bad as you think, but. But we're not only seeing calls for that, we're seeing calls for authoritarianism. We're, we want people want Donald Trump to rule and they want the next guy, Josh Hawley or, or somebody worse than him to be like a populist, loudmouth piece of trash who does not care about principles. So how did we go from the founding fathers to this? Basically, it was the dispensing of reason. So the founding fathers did not emerge in a vacuum. They were, they were part of a tradition of the development of the, of philosophy. After them, like I said, the, um, the utilitarians, the um, the pragmatists came along. What did the pragmatists say? They said, you can't really live by principles, right? Principles are too, um, they're too constricting and you, know, you don't really know if they're going to work. So what do you do? Just act. Just act and see if it worked. And so how do you know how to act, right? Just, well, you can't use uh, principles, right? So just whatever you feel. Do what you feel, bro. That is unfortunately become the American way. So in in essence, I see Donald Trump as like the pragmatist president. He's not the worst president. He represents the worst of the intellectual 
are the or the first worst of the intellectual. <laughs> there's there's been worse intellectuals than the pragmatists, but but he 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 to me Donald Trump represents the um the a- absolute rejection of the founding fathers, which is why a lot yeah. of a lot of very crappy um see I'm trying to keep you monetized a lot of very bad people that have emerged in the last few years a lot of very um, anti-individualistic people on the right. They love Trump for a reason. They love him because he, he represents America minus any principles, minus the founding documents, minus any philosophy. Well, you have, you have, you have, you got, you got to break that down a little bit more. Sure. Ex- explain that because just yeah. as a statement, I don't understand. So why, why do you think the, let's say the alt-right loves Donald Trump or they did he, when he ran? I, I don't think they do. Well, they I, did it. They wanted him to win, they, no? For nationalistic reasons. Okay, why well, do you think of, they love nationalism? Or why do you think they think Trump represents na- their type of nationalism? Trump was talking about ending free trade agreements and securing our borders. Mm-hmm. For them, it was probably an issue of immigration and white and, and like their race and their ideals. It's, it is very much that. But also, and, and in addition to that, on a deeper level, it's the rejection of principles. You never see Trump get up there and, and talk about how the founders gave us these principles that will protect us from government authoritarianism. When, when Trump, uh, got, was inaugurated, he didn't get up there and talk about the reverence that, you know, we should have for the founders. He got up there and goes, Today marks a power transfer from the government back to the people. I mean, it, this is this has nothing to do with the founding principles of America. This has nothing to well, there's do a, there's with a any principles. I, I don't think the Trump supporters are rejecting those principles. I think they, I'm not saying all of them. Again, I'm not saying all of no, Trump no, 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 voters. No, 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 no. I think okay. you'd find they would all agree with you mm-hmm. on everything you're saying about the founding fathers. Well, then we need to be very meticulous in identifying what it is we like about the founding fathers. I would say it's that they were men of principles and the principles of individual rights. And, you know, having getting to a point where we have a a a guy who just invents facts out of thin air that just occur to him and that people are willing to die for those so-called utterances and that Trump could later change his mind and they'll then change their mind as well to have that. um, I think it represents something that absolutely rejects. Any philosophy. I think the amount of people you're describing are, is smaller than you realize. I mean, the people who like, take like, it check, that far. But, but listen, listen, the people who small. stormed the Capitol disregarded the president himself. I don't think they care all that much about him. Those people. The people who support the president, and many of them probably blindly, were at Trump's rally watching him speak. But the storming of the Capitol started while Trump was still speaking when Trump said peacefully march. And even people like Alex Jones, according to PBS, Jones was saying, don't fight the cops, please be peaceful. That'll be the narrative. So who are these guys who are like, we don't care what Trump says? Certainly they were, they were Trump supporters, not for, they were not Trump supporters first. They were something else. And they're probably, these people, probably the authoritarians who think in their minds that the heroes of the constitution or whatever. But if, if your idea of, of fighting for free, freedom and principles and what the founding fathers did is to just barge your way into a constitution, you know, constitutional process that you disagree with, that's literally not. More importantly, if you were going to support the president and his fight and he said to do it peacefully, you clearly don't support the president. Look, so those people, I don't think, represent a I think what faction. Trump represents from the day that he entered politics is a dispensing with principles. He has always spoken about America like a business he's going to run like an executive. He's always spoken about economic liberty. Well, never he never uses that phrase, but economics as though it's for him to manage and micromanage or to to uh, issue declarations. So. Uh, what Trump represents is a turn away from principles. Again, that doesn't mean all his voters want to dispense with principles, but certainly people that want to dispense with principles, people that want America minus its founding documents, people that want America to be a land of geography and of, of genetics, people who believe that America is just a group of people with no relation to philosophy, 
People, those people, they see Trump rightfully as a step in their direction. Now, now, you're, now I've gone from the nodding with you to the shaking my head. Yeah, I see that. Because the, the, the alt-right is not a, par- a prominent faction. There's not, there's not a large... I mean, like, is look, it, look, do look, we look. even talk about them like there's some little group anymore? Well, you, basically, the Republican Party is basically like they all laugh at... They all laugh at the founding fathers at this point. You go to a Republican yes, group, yes, they'll yes, laugh yes, at you. But come on, come on. You got to yeah. draw a line. When you, when you say the genetics they want, there's a big difference between the Republican Party and the alt-right. So, s- so you can point out and criticize the alt-right, rightly so. But to act like that's Trump's base, that's just absolutely I'm, not look, true. Look, I'm not even concerned with Trump at this point. I'm saying the Republican Party today has nothing to do with love of capitalism, with the, ind- the rights of the individual. Gone are the days absolutely. of— Absolutely. I completely agree. Gone are the—so and what, So I'm saying, look what happened. Gone, yeah. are, gone are the days of Republicans talking about how my—you know, a, a, an immigrant could, could swim here uh, across the ocean uh, with, you know, Ted Cruz. My, my father had $20 in his underwear. <laughs> he became a dishwasher. There's a guy I absolutely— <laughs> hate if you get ted cruz in here please bring me on here to challenge him to consensual physical combat i'm not no going... no 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 all right but um basketball I mean... match we got a basketball court you got he, he used to he used to play in high school i guess yeah well i'll play better trust me i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm from the streets look i think I, I i detest the republican party i mean every opportunity they've had to actually fight for what they're what, what the people are asking for they don't do it well the, the people which people like their voters okay what do the people want so uh, I guess it depends on what you poll, but the number one issue for uh, Republicans is control of immigration. Why is that the number one issue for Republicans? So a lot of the Republicans live in rural areas. Many of them saw their small towns destroyed by a loss of industry as free trade agreements shipped off these factories to Mexico, to China. That's one of the things that Bernie and Trump both had in 2015 and 16. Bernie ended up eventually just joining the Democratic establishment. But Trump, he's the guy where Michael Moore... Michael Moore gave the speech where he was like, Donald Trump went to the auto executives and said, I will put a 30% tariff on your car and no one will ever buy your vehicle again. And no one had ever challenged the executives this way. For these people who are in rural areas, one big thing they're seeing with immigration is the job market is depressed. So their view, I'm, I'm not trying to make assert facts. I'm trying to say this is, this is the general understanding I have. When you have mass migration, and and a, an industry being shipped overseas. So Joe Biden wants, you know, more free trade agreements. He wants higher corporate tax and he wants no deportations for 100 days, which he lost that fight. What ends up happening is you have more workers, less jobs and an incentive with higher te- corporate taxes for companies to leave and the opportunity to do so. You're going to get a Donald Trump who says, I'm going to reject those things. When you have rural voters who lost their manufacturing plants, who lost their coal mining facilities, of which there weren't that many, but these manufacturing plants were shipped overseas. Now they're, now they're hungry. Now they're desperate. Donald Trump says, I'll get you those things back. So how did we go from being a country where the individual's rights are inalienable to becoming a country where people in rural areas have a right to their, having their job uh, you know, provided to them for it not being shipped off overseas or anything else. That what, what happened to the days of of individuals in America packing up back in the day when was a plant it, would wh- cl- close down? They would they would load up their their cart and they would which move to somewhere where it, there are jobs. Was it the Fourteenth Amendment, the income tax one, Federal Reserve? Which one was that one? I don't know. I don't know but that, that that that's probably the time when when people were 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 mandated to give a portion of their income mm-hmm. for for a guaranteed. I'm aspect. with you. So we agree that 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 Definitely. was. 
part one of the major steps to the, I, towards the beginning of the end. I, so, I say this too. I say so. People, we need to get back. We need to get back to free market economics, and we need to get back to a philosophical view of man that says man's rights are inalienable, including the man who create who builds his own company and ends up hiring many people, and then later decides that the way the world is changing and the way his business is growing, it makes more sense for him to move it to a different location. In or outside the country. And the government has no place incentivizing nor punishing that action. I agree with much of what you just said. I I don't want to get into every single point. But specifically, one of the problems with making your own company is regulations. How do you compete with a factory in China that has none? And if you're trying – so, you know, they shut down your factory. Now you got a bunch of workers who want to work. And you say, I'd love to hire you, but I can't afford to pay 10 bucks an hour to everybody because i got to compete with China that pays a dollar. So now people here can't even compete with the industry of these other companies. The higher corporate tax, you're right. The government is disincentivizing and restricting the ability for people to actually start their own industries. Now, you can go out onto your small plot of land, say you have one, and chop your own wood and hunt for your own food if you're able to. But now we've got a whole bunch of government regulatory problems. If you're not legally allowed to hunt, then how do you do it? Now you can't eat. You can't work because you don't have the right permits and you can't compete with China and Chinese manufacturing plants or Mexican. And you can't afford to pay the minimum wage. Congratulations. Now it's just impossible for the American worker. They'll vote for Donald Trump. Look, I mean, America today produces more stuff than ever before. It, there's there's more manufacturing in America today than ever before. I mean, I, is that I, true? It, it absolutely is true. And it's sad to me that in a, in a time when um, what what is Google going to give you a quick answer to that? I mean, it, it's sad that at yep. a time when uh, when we're 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 basically putting the internet in 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 objects that fit in your pocket, that people are not moving to places where they can learn new skills and look for new jobs. Everyone is just going to sit there and either accept welfare or or uh, demand that the president provide them with the job. Whatever happened to the land of the individual? Whatever happened to capitalism? Whatever happened to actually do is capitalism until the Chinese start having some elements of capitalism, then we're not for it anymore. It's just, it's just very sad. But I think, again, it, it, it I, I can't argue economics. This, I, I can argue more about philosophy. We, the way Americans see the rights of the individual, the way they see human nature has changed. So we, yeah, you, I agree. Yeah. So that's, and, and, that's, that's, that's the battle. You are right. Uh, NIST says 1.6% manufacturing growth year over year with, uh, from tw- 2009 to 2019, about 3% growth over, uh, I think 3%. Over uh, overall annual growth rate is around three percent between oh nine and twenty nineteen, and uh, I don't know why they're giving me two numbers, but it's been growing. It has been growing, but I th- but I think the issue is f- certain people lose their jobs, and so they vote for Trump. I, it brings me yeah. no joy when anyone loses their job. But believe me, in a capitalist, a, a real capitalist society, I mean, I know you have some free market sentiments. You probably agree that in an actual capitalist society, there'd be more jobs than people able to fill them, right? Yeah. I think it, 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 it's a really interesting uh, point you bring up about everything that's going on in that maybe people need to stop asking the government for help, even Republicans and conservatives who tend to be the ones who argue that they're not the ones doing that. You know what I mean? Voting for Trump to end these these free trade agreements is asking the government to bring your companies back. And Donald Trump did that by using the power of government, whereas technology has dramatically changed. And the ability to transport products overseas has made it very, very easy for companies to exist in areas where it's easier to operate. It looks like the lack of restrictions on Chinese labor has made them able to compete better. I'm not a staunch capitalist. By the way, and by the way, American standard of living has risen because of uh, trade with Chinese companies. You know, you got you got uh, people in rural areas going to a big, beautiful, shiny Walmart and buying a wardrobe for their kids, buying stocking up with plenty of food to eat. I mean, because of. 
Well, maybe not food from China, but <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Like, there's uh, a lot going on there, though, man. Their, I mean, sta- their standard of living has risen. Look, I mean, and if China's up to uh, actual crime, if they're stealing intellectual property, or if they're um, ripping off Americans, obviously the the or it should be obvious. The job of the American government is to say no way. Like we're protecting the rights of our citizens. That is the job of the government. But the job of the government is not to bring jobs home. That is not the government. And they. That the job of a proper government, and they can't do it anyway. Even if they try, they just cause damage. So how, when, when Trump promises all of these things, maybe he can deliver some of it, but it's going to have worse ramifications in the long term. But we don't think about the long term, do we? We only think we're pragmatists, right? We only think about the short term. So the choice today is between pragmatists, who they only think about the very short term and go with their feeling, versus you know, postmodern egalitarians who they're looking at the quote big picture, but their big picture is effed in the A, if you catch what I'm uh, alluding to here. Broken so, and awful. So and these are my sense. options today. I will offer you that individualism is the answer. So it, it does, and it, it, don't think of it so abstractly. Just ask as an individual, you know, you're, you're a, you're a, you're a, a, a successful guy if I've ever seen one. I'm look at this empire. Good God. Empire. I could get lost in this house. Yeah, that's true. I could get lost on your website. I start going down the rabbit hole of videos w- with, you know, tons of views. I can get lost. Look in your comments section. I can get lost. That's how big uh, what you've done is happening. Thank you. Th- through all this hard work. Oh, I mean... I mean <laughs> no, but what's your point? You don't need me to tell you. But, um... Individualism I mean, this is work. this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an indiv- you as an individual looking at the world and asking, what do I want and how do I get it? So that's exactly what you've been doing. I often disagree, let's say, with your beliefs, but the... The methods you've employed to, um, you know, as from what I know, and to uh, to pursue what you wanted and to build. I mean, isn't that doesn't that speak to the uh, to the uh, to what it is that capitalism gives us that liberty to uh, uh, property rights? Obviously, none of us would have any of this technology if intellectual property in Silicon Valley and elsewhere wasn't protected. Finance industry, all the money that was loaned to people who wanted to develop these technologies. I mean, capitalism, other than being um, uh, 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 practical, it actually is the one moral system. It's the one system that allows you as an individual to look at the world and say, what do I, what do I want to earn for myself? And then you get to keep it. What, now, do, you, what do you do about monopolies? There's no such thing. Only, only monopolies are government-granted monopolies. So there's a, I like your we, producer, by the way. She <laughs> nods more than you. She, she, <laughs> I'm, I'm just listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just listening. I like, so you, I, you've I got b- over my like, shoulder yeah. that's nodding like, keep this going. Is, why <laughs> do you think I'm so cocky? I'm getting so much <laughs> no, encouragement. No, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. Yeah, yeah. Listen to Tim. Uh, so... Parler. Parler decided we're going to make our own app. We're going to have, you know, certain rules. It'll, it won't be it won't be absolutely free, but it'll be much more free than these other platforms. Mm-hmm. And then they get booted off the Play Store. They get booted off the App Store on iTunes. They get villainized, demonized by this. This I, I don't know what you'd want to call it. You had this. I don't want to say a concerted effort, but in some aspects, it was various elements within Silicon Valley. Many of these people know each other and they work for the same companies and they rotate around, destroy their competition. We saw this with with Carl Benjamin on on Patreon. He got banned from Patreon because some activists went and found a year old live stream on an obscure channel where he made a bad racial reference. It was but, offensive. But, 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 but hold on, hold on. Okay. He goes to join Subscribestar, which was a competitor to Patre- to to Patreon. What happens? PayPal and Stripe ban Subscribestar. So what do you do when you do start a new company and then your infrastructure gets ripped out from under you because people with power bully those smaller companies? If we rely on these companies so much, then I think we're in no position to be making demands of them. We need to have a free market. We have a largely regulated market where luckily the some elements of the economy are fairly unregulated. And we've seen such magnificent success stories like Patreon, like um 
PayPal, which, by the way, anything financial is the most highly regulated part of the country. So it kills me that we have the financial industry as the most regulated. So that means that if a bank decides to cut you off, they don't want to deal with you. There's very few competitors. Obviously, in a, in a free yeah. market, it would not be like that. So, well, look, why, why I mean, again, and anytime you name a problem, I'll say either the problem is probably being exaggerated or more likely it's a it's a result of government regulation. So we need to solve this. The, pro- the solution is not more government. When when does that ever solve the problems of the uh, regulatory state? I suppose the issue is that you know, we'll never meet the end. There will always be some problem. And the issue is we're trying to reduce the amount of problems all the time. And sometimes our solutions create more problems than we intended. Are we trying to solve all these problems? You're focused on your work. I'm focused on my work. Like most people should focus on their own lives and look at their options and try their best to, to manage. I mean, so, well, so, so we should not be trying to engineer society. We should be trying to fight for the rights of the individual. And what happens when you have, say, a bridge? And you, let's say the, the Brooklyn Bridge, right? You live in Brooklyn. You work in Manhattan. What if one day they said only one type of people are allowed to use this bridge from now on? Too bad. Build your own bridge. Do you build your own bridge? Are like, we talking about a completely free, laissez-faire economy, society? I suppose. Sure. Well, that, that makes a big difference, obviously. We should not have public roads. We should have privatized roads. I so, like how that look, that look people give me like, oh, come on. In a, in a world just, where we are talking, kind of, how many tens of thousands of people are watching this right now? In a world where we have all this technology, nobody can imagine that road makers would be able to come up with roads good enough. We need the government to provide them with us. So, all right, question. Uh, yeah. If a company builds a road mm-hmm. and then another company is like, hey, I want to build a road and they say, you can't use our road. You can't use our road to transport the materials for your road. We did it. Why don't you do it? They would find, I mean. Uh, that's my private property. You can't drive on my pro- private property to get to that side of the building to build your road. They would have to find another way to get there. There's got to be some kind of agreement between I would people find, for I would, some mutual, like, benefit. Agreement being the key word here, not force. So if you have an irrational road owner who decides to screw people or trying to own the whole system in some way then they're probably going to get destroyed by competitors. Business is very difficult. So why isn't that happening with YouTube? Well, first of all, in a sense, it is. YouTube, they're constantly worrying about their PR. They don't want to look like a frivolous, um, reckless website, which is why you're able to appeal um, strikes, which is why there are competitors as well. I mean, it's not... Listen, you know, I'm not exactly... uh, Me and YouTube have not always seen eye to eye, famously, but... It's not as bad as people make it seem. And also, again, we don't live in a completely free society. Imagine if we had a lot more capital pouring into Silicon Valley. Imagine if if society was full of people that admired these people rather than vilifying them. So the, the issue with YouTube is that they've subsidized Google as such a massive company. They've subsidized YouTube. They lose money like crazy on YouTube. But because of the way they've created the system, no one can get a leg up. No other companies have tried and they can't reach that point. When you, by the way, when you, I'm not opposed to the idea that the government is subsidizing Google if it turns out to be true, but is it true or is it just that like everyone else, they live, you know, they live in the subsidy state where they get Google controls a good portion of online advertising over 50%, I believe. That's not a favor from government though, is it? No, I didn't say it was. Oh, I'm saying so when they have all of this power Mm -hmm. and they can use, Google subsidizes YouTube. That's what Uh I'm saying. How, mu- how much advertising was going on online in the 1950s? Zero. Obviously. So right. Google basically took the internet to the next level, and now they're being called but a monopoly. 
And so advertising from newspapers and digital is collapsing while skyrocketing and Google is buying up and, and controlling almost all of it. They then use that ability to make it so that YouTube can pay people out more than anyone else can, making sure that all of the top creators stay on YouTube and YouTube maintains a majority control over the digital space, which maintains their ability to control advertising, which makes it a lot easier for people to buy an ad campaign, which can go on YouTube and network websites. If YouTube lost its view share on the internet and it split up to other platforms, Mm -hmm. then a lot of people would... They diversify their advertising, their ad buys. Mm-hmm. But now it's just like Google and Facebook. That's like 95% of all advertising. Which, by the way, Google and Facebook, those are two very distinct companies. Absolutely. So it's not like there is a monopoly. But also, um, look, I'm opposed to all subsidies. I'm opposed to all regulations. I want crimes punished and I want arbit- uh, disputes arbitrated. But I don't want Google being given any favors and I don't want them punished for being too successful. So so here, here's, here's the challenge I see with the staunchly, I don't think you call it yourself libertarian or anything like that. No. But the, 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 the little L libertarianism, this, you know, going way down into the staunchly freedom oriented, I don't want to say libertarian necessarily because people assume, associate with the political party. The issue is that authoritarians will build massive infrastructure. They will use, you know, for instance, subsidizing YouTube through, through like Google, the parent company or Alphabet gives a bunch of its money from its other networks to YouTube to keep it afloat, even though YouTube doesn't generate enough money because on web, like bandwidth is very expensive. This dominates the space. Then they use that for cultural enforcement. Certain ideas are allowed and certain ideas are not allowed. Your ideas are being purged right now as we speak, and you're okay with it. Look, I mean, in the re- in, even in the re- highly regulated state that we live in, and even with all of these very big, powerful news companies, look how successful you've been. I mean, we, we don't live in a world where, like, power-lusting people are able to just suppress everyone easily. It's just not the case, especially in a— To varying a, degrees. I, to, I mean, well, to varying degrees, I understand. But, like, the best, the best situation for you as an individual, if you want to live a good life, if you want to look at the world and ask, what do I want, and then go out and get it, you want liberty. You need liberty. It's indispensable. So there's— you know, you could keep on coming up with all these scenarios. I'm not an economist. I'd love to send you some economists to come on the show that I like and uh, have them address every last point you're making. I'm, I'm, I'm arguing with hypotheticals right now. I, I can only say we uh, a lot of the mess we're in is because of subsidies, because of regulations. And that's what I'm that's what I'd like to get away from. But let me emphasize again, we need to get back to the view of human nature, the view of man as an individual. Look, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, this is a great topic. What are we like three hours into the show now? One hour. That's cool. <laughs> Why don't we jump over to another topic? Would that be all right with you? I got a gift for you. You have a gift. For I me? got a gift. You want to, you want to jump? What do you guys? Should we talk about uh, Bill China, Bill Maher, or Teen Vogue and getting getting their ads canceled? Uh, what do you think is, is more interesting? Not China. How about Teen, Teen Vogue? Vogue? Yeah. All right. Let's talk about let's talk about Teen Vogue. Oh, uh, we all well, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Teen Vogue because this is uh. uh I'm optimistic. This story, this story makes me a little bit optimistic, yeah. right? So this is from The Independent. I did uh, cover this on my, my other channel a couple of days ago, but it seems we have some developments. Teen Vogue advertisers pull out over editors' controversial past tweets. Major advertiser suspends campaign on the same day incoming editor apologizes for perpetuating stereotypes of Asian and LGBTQ people in a series of tweets from 2011. That's 10 years ago. Hmm. I mean, I get it. It was offensive 10 years ago. It's offensive today, but I think she was like 17, this woman. So I'll just give you the gist of it. Cause I don't need, I don't need to, you know, go through all, I, I know for the most part, the story, this lady is Alexi McCammon. She worked for Axios, I believe. 
And I think she's an unethical reporter because she was dating the guy from the Biden administration when she was supposed oh, to be covering. that was her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very, very unethical. Well, she made some offensive tweets 10 years ago. Now you have this, this letter. That they, first of all, let me put it this way. She got rewarded. She was violating journalistic ethics, sleeping with the guy from the Biden administration, claiming she wasn't writing for him. And apparently she was still writing for him, or at least in some way facilitating these stories. Very unethical journalism. She gets rewarded. How would you like to be editor in chief of ultra woke teen Vogue for some reason praising Karl Marx? It's supposed to be a fashion magazine, but they write praise of Karl Marx. Sure. They, they reward her for this. Well, then around 20 or so employees wrote this letter saying she is an offensive, racist, bigot and all that stuff. And this was a terrible choice and she shouldn't be hired. And I'm sitting here thinking like, dude, come on, 10 year old posts. You're not going to hire her. That's insane. Now it's backfiring on these employees. Well, it's backfiring on the company. The company is now losing a seven figure advertiser because the employees complained about the hire. So the employees effectively got their own company canceled. I think it's the fault of the people who run the company because they hire these rage bait writers who purposefully inflame racial tensions and, you know, gender tensions and all these things to make money. They use these people to write anger rage bait so that they get clicks and can make money from it. And eventually you hire so many, reaches critical mass, and then they start complaining about your own company and then you lose your seven figure advertiser. So this is more like the area of cultural enforcement and the backfiring. And I'll put it this way. This makes me optimistic. Because if they if they're canceling themselves now because there's nothing left to cancel, then what do they do? It's like it's like a Uruboros. They eat their own tail and then. Well, the the people that want to cancel, they don't care if Teen Vogue survives or not. They just want to see Bernie. You're saying maybe Teen Vogue will say f you and just keep doing things their way and other companies as well. So isn't that nice when companies uh, look out for themselves rather than the so-called public good? Because right now the so-called public good is not good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. No, well, but, no, but, but these, I mean, these employees are going to lose their jobs. Yeah, well, you know, uh, a lot of people don't really feel bad for them, but um, <laughs> maybe they can build solar panels. But listen, I mean, this speaks to the power of philosophy. You know, all these people out there arguing, you know, what what drives people? What drives people? I mean, what people believe to be right is largely what they do. They think this is the ethical thing to do and they do it. So, I mean, y- you look at these cancel mob. They were not born this way, as Lady Gaga once put it. She was not born Woke. like that. Yeah, she was not <laughs> born like that, wearing that. Trust me on that. There's my favorite joke from 2010. Um, <laughs> Offensive. I mean, you know, again, the, these people all went to school or they were influenced by artists who went to school or they were influenced by parents who went to school. Like they, these people all were taught. Yeah. Critical race theory, postmodernism. We can't communicate. We just can't understand each other, man. You're Korean. I'm black. We are just living in different realities, man. I mean, people unironically believe that two individuals of different races or genders or sexual proclivities cannot communicate. Right. By the way, chat room, I know you hate me, but see, I can I can punch left a little <laughs> bit. I can throw you some red meat. Guys, we're on the same team. I've worked so hard to provide you with quality entertainment. God forbid I try to help you out once in a while with some red pills. So Am I where, right? Where, where do you where do you think this cultural enforcement ends up going? Like the wokeness, the cancel culture. I mean, uh, maybe at a sort of uh, surface level, we'll see sort of a pendulum swing. You know, kind of like there was like kind of in the '90s, you had a lot of like you said, George Carlin, like a lot of like offensive entertainment. Obviously, that's where I was influenced growing up. Maybe you were a fan as well. I mean, yeah, definitely punk rock, rap, and being being a badass was cool. Like that was. Or it was a thing to be. Not everyone liked it, but it was... It's, it's like you don't want to be the parents from Footloose. 
You wanted to be the, the, the you know, oh, screw you, I'm going to go dance. You know, you can't yeah. tell me what to do. I mean, there were conservatives back then, who, and they were not into that stuff. And they were liberal, you know, there were leftists who said, no, they were pushing for political correctness back then. But there was a big element of the a part of the culture that was saying, ah, this is all crap. And yeah. I think uh, we're going to see more of that. I think, uh, you know, I live in Hollywood. Uh, there are a lot of people, they never signed up for any of this. You know, this whole, like, uh, you know, call me by, don't misgender me, right? A lot of powerful, rich people in Hollywood, they never signed up for this to have somebody half their age telling them, don't misgender me. They're, they're giving away a ton of power. I mean, you, you could be, imagine you're a 50 year old dude, an executive in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and you're worth millions of dollars. And you got to this point where you worked really hard, you're making movies, you're doing great, you got an infinity pool, and then all of a sudden, some 19 year old who doesn't even have a job is still in college costs you $30 million because you're about to do this big movie production and you accidentally, you know, they found a tweet from you from, from, from 10 years ago. Or look at that NASCAR driver. A NASCAR driver lost a sponsor because his dad sent the N-word in the 80s. But more importantly, like that's, that's the craziness of it. Imagine you're this high-powered, you know, man or woman and you're like, I finally did it. I got my condo. I'm in Hollywood. And then just some dumb kid calls you a racist and you get fired. Yeah, I, 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 I'm willing to bet a lot of these people are going to start being like, nah, you know. Yeah, but even so, like, what's the alternative? You know, where, where are they going to turn to next? And people need a positive that they're driven towards. It's not just enough to say the left is crazy, the left is bad, anything is better than the left. Anything is not better than anything. Like, only the right, there's the right answer. There's, there's accurately looking at the world and being rational. That is what I'm about. By the way, can I give you a gift? Depends on what the gift is. It, you're gonna like it. I'm All not right. being. I'm not tricking you. This. I think you're gonna like this. Okay. Can, can I give him a gift? Oh yeah. All right. And can I ask you at watching at home? May I give him a gift? We want to know what you think. If you say, say no, yes. then screw him. He's not getting nothing. <laughs> I don't know if they're saying anything. Yeah. They're know. arguing. Oh, are they? Imagine that. They're, they're they're agreeing and disagreeing. And oh, it's a birthday. If present? anyone, if one person watching agrees with me, then I've done. I've done. I've done the impossible. Um. Listen, I know we've had our differences, a lot of you watching. I just I hope we can all agree at the end of the day on what it is that this gift represents. I think you're I think you're gonna like it as well. Oh, Go cool. ahead and, and Is it gonna get me in trouble? No. Rucka got me a birthday present. You know it's my birthday. Yeah. Of course I knew so it nice. was your birthday. Is this just everybody rap- knows? Is it your just birthday. a bunch of wrapping paper? That would be uh, a lot of work be into a mildly funny <laughs> joke. A mildly funny joke. I mean, just getting you to unwrap a bunch of stuff, and then we got, like, nothing it's left. It's a calendar? Dun, what is dun, this? Dun. It's better than a calendar, It's, but it is something you can enjoy <laughs> 365 Why days. Why did you get me this? <laughs> oh, my gosh. What is it? I'm scared. <laughs> this is not for me. This is for somebody else. Let's find out. <laughs> I can see what it is. You actually got me this, and you brought it. It's a picture of Carl Benjamin. It's uh, more than that. Open. Uh, it's get, more than that. Get get the uh, cardboard out of there. Get the cardboard out of there. Oh or my cut goodness. it off. Yeah. Get out your. I... Get out one of your weapons. Show us what it can do. I don't have any weapons up I don't here. Have any knives up here? Yeah. Can't open a piece of tape with a gun. Oh, this is gonna be. This is a beautiful moment. I've never <laughs> been. I've never been so here. I'm a, I'm I wonder a... if Sargon, if Carl's watching and he's gonna be like, "What is this?" <laughs> okay. This is, so, this is an amazing uh, moment. Oh, no. I don't want to ruin it. It's got tape on it. I think it's like 3 in the morning there, so I don't think he's watching. 
Oh, well, he's, oh, he's watching here. Let's see it. <laughs> oh, so what, what is this? That. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's it's that's it's it's Carl Benjamin, and there's something else in here, or what? It, it, there's something else in there. Yeah, yeah. Just oh, rip it? it open. Oh snap! Is this going to get me in trouble? I, I mean, not with me. <laughs> that, that I can tell you. All right, I am I am opening it. Why 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 uh, Carl Benjamin? I don't know Sargon who this man? Carl Benjamin is. Sargon. Now now be careful with the opening crevice. The, is the opening this crevice? Is this oh is this a, a vinyl? Oh, it's a vinyl. Cool. Is this uh uh, uh <laughs> is this? Oh sweet. A vinyl record of the uh I don't I can't play this. We I have appreciate to get a record it. This player. is really cool. Is this uh what is so what is this? It's is this a vinyl record? Is this the one one song on the back from uh, the, your Sargon it's song? It's got the Sargon song that you could never get enough of. That's right. Uh, it's got... <laughs> uh, I was with you almost, guys in the UK when you were saying right. it. That's right. Almost the top viewed uh, Sargon-related video on YouTube. There's like one more that's beating us. It's like the one of Sargon roasting some innocent, beautiful feminists. In my, well, that's yeah. right. What's I on remember. this side? There's two different songs? Um, we got some live versions, me and Sargon singing it together in England. We got the one, uh, me, Sargon, and an orchestra. We got some. We got Sargon, Sargon live cool. featuring Sargon, and Sargon with an orchestra. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, gift. So I'm for excited. those for those that may not be familiar, Carl Benjamin hosts the Lotus Eaters podcast. We reference, reference him uh, every so often here, and he's one of like the uh, like OG Gamergate people, I guess. Yeah, is that fair to say? It, it, I guess I don't really know what Gamergate is. Really, me, me but neither. Yeah. But he was uh, he was an anti-identitarian, like you know, anti-SJW back in the day. Now he hosts. A much more professional. I'm not trying to be. I'm trying to be very respectful. In fact, uh, um, complimentary. His new show, The Lotus Eaters Podcast, is actually is doing like really, really well in the UK, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is because Rucka wrote a song about the origins of Carl Benjamin, aka Sargon of Akkad. Mm-hmm. So uh, thank you for this gift. It's your vinyl. I've, I've been, you know, I I'll just, put it on the wall. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. You know, even if you don't have a vinyl player, you can listen to it. I uh, gotta get one now. Adam's got one. Oh, he does. Yeah, pop it we'll, on later. We'll, we'll have you to. Uh, we should also get one. By the way, uh, I've been kind of mean to you, and I want to make it up to you. Well, that's nice of here's, you. Here's a gift oh, for you. Oh, thank you. Oh, Why wow. Just getting everybody gifts? Well, not everyone. Where's mine? It's not it's my birthday. birthday. Ian. Yeah. Ian's opening a gift now. <laughs> so we went from this very intense political discussion about. At the end of the day, all we have is, is the music. We're having is a party. Music? Yeah. Yeah. Is that a CD? Is it, it is a CD. It's going to be a Sargon CD, isn't it? It better be. I'll be disappointed. It's a CD of Sargon. Yeah. Sargon Live. Look at us promoting Sargon Live featuring orchestra. Well, it's really promoting me more than him. These are my CDs and vinyls that I'm selling now. Oh, Oh, right on. So you're saying you already have them and you're pretending like it was a birthday present. I mean, they're, I don't have them. Because you found out at the last minute it was my birthday, so you pretended to go I bought these for you. Sure you did. Earlier today, because he was here, he's like, I'm going to go for a walk real quick. I'll be right back. And then he's like, oh, I got you a present, by the way. Yeah, I went to the local record shop and bought this for you. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh-huh. No, these are yeah, these are no. I got them from RuckusWorld.com. They're they're part oh, of my yeah. catalog. Very yeah. cool. Thank that's, you so that, much. That's, that's, no, I hope you enjoy. I them. It. It's cool. I hope that's you cool. enjoy so them cool. every Christmas. You know, I gotta get. Uh, we I want to get Carl to come out and come on the show, but yeah. COVID restrictions and all that. I'd we'll love show to him your Sargon vinyl. I'm sure he'll be happy with, with this. Now he has no choice but to come on he the has show. To. And mm-hmm. then he'll he'll autograph it, and you know, yeah. and we'll yeah. put it on the wall, and it'll be. Uh, I should autograph it, honestly. Yeah, not even both him. Autographs. Not even not even him. We don't we don't we don't care about him. Yeah. Just just you, Rucka. And what does he even have to do with it at this? <laughs> but look how beautiful is this? Yeah, I'm very happy with it. We're very happy with it. We're, we're very happy with it. I like that. Yeah. I listen cool. to the song. Yeah. Were we talking about what were we talking about? We're talking uh, about Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue firing somebody. Yeah, yeah. Um. 
But I, I, I don't know. Are we done with that? Should we Wildly talk about derailed, else? I think. Let's yeah, see. because all of a sudden, you know, Rucka's <laughs> like, I got you a present. And I was yeah. like, I'd like to know what that present yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Well, we had that story. Uh, other than that, there's like, you know, got Bill Maher well. yeah. and, uh, and, and China stuff. I don't know if you, if you care a lot that. The That's China more about stuff. Well, I feel like we just yeah. got done arguing about China, but let's let's hear what, what Bill Maher has. No, to I'm say. not. I'm not super interested. Actually, okay. Well, a, a little bit about the Bill Maher stuff. Look. Yeah, yeah. Bill Maher said that the U.S. lost to China, too focused on woke competition and lizard people. I'm, I'm, I, I've talked quite a bit about the Bill Maher stuff. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's saying. You know, Dr. Seuss had this book removed because of this depiction of a Chinese man with, eating with chopsticks. And he says, you know who doesn't care about this? China. All 1.4 billion could give a crouching tiger flying F about Dr. Seuss's book. They're building infrastructure. They're building coal power plants. They're growing rapidly. So I always, I always have this question for a lot of the more uh, um, liberty or I don't know the right word is, but uh, capitalistic individuals and less government how do you provide for the common defense? And I'm not, I'm not saying you don't. I'm asking you quite literally. Like, what's I mean, your I view? don't. I think you're right. I don't. The, 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 the common man doesn't need defense. The common man needs liberty. And Bill Maher, he was a leftist then. He was a leftist when everyone disagreed with him. And he's a leftist when some people now agree with him. He does not believe in capitalism. He's always mocked the idea of capitalism working. Back when people on the right pretended to be for capitalism, Bill Maher was public enemy number one because he said things that, you know, a child thinks about capitalism. And here he is saying the same thing he's always said, that capitalism screws the little guy. And, you know, the difference is now Republicans and people on the right are crazy about it. People hate me. Everyone doesn't want to hear about it. But, you know, the truth is the truth. Well, so, look, China's growing rapidly. Yeah. They've got oil exploration in Africa and South America. Yeah. They, they're, are you familiar with the concept of Thucydides' trap? No. It's like beating a dead horse for me to say it because I say it all the time on this show. But it's a general idea that when a rising power is about to displace an economic superpower, war breaks out. So what, what in your view would this world or this country be like if we did not have the common defense? Would it just be like individuals who are armed guarding their private property and saying, you know? No, so I do believe in police and uh, military. I'm not saying we should abolish, though. I'm not an anarchist. That's that's the thing. Anarchists, they're like uh, a Dr. Seuss um, bastardization of Ayn Rand's philosophy, objectivism, which I am. I'm an objectivist. Anarchists, uh, they don't really have an answer. Right. Now that I, there's one group of people I haven't pissed off yet. Now I've got them all on my back. All right, now that everybody's angry. Now that everybody hates me. In, in, the, in the event that, uh, you know, war breaks out, what do we do? Like, it, 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 it... What do you mean war breaks out? War breaks out, they fire at us, they're dead. They, they'll know that when I'm in charge, believe me, it'll be very clear. But do you, do you think that there's like a very strong free market and then taxation would fund military for common defense? Well, much more. It, the, the amount of prosperity we would see in a free market would be just so... Um, just so high, the average person would have change in his couch. There's a dated reference for you. Change in his couch. Something Zoomers have never seen in their life. Change <laughs> that they find in the couch. Yeah, those um, are the days, huh? I mean, in a, in a prosperous society. Like, I mean, over. okay, look how we have a volunteer mil- military right now, right? Like mm-hmm. the uh, who the hell wants to go to the military, right? We're busy, right? But still, in in a in a free country where you, they, people have that option, you see enough people are passionate about defending America. That they're willing to uh, sign up for the military, right? And they get paid for it. In a free society, I think you would see a lot of people uh, voluntarily funding the military. 
I mean, it's it would be bizarre to think that, you know, let's say Donald Trump. See, let me say something nice about Trump. Old Donald Trump, you know, apprentice Donald Trump doing all these charity events, Donald Trump. We're going to have a concert. Lil John and Sugar Ray, the, it's Mark McGrath, Sugar Ray. We're going to have a. I never tried doing a Trump impression before, by the way. So I, I know it's, it's coming off a little bit cringy, as the kids would put it. But I mean, he would have a concert. You know, where uh, Mark McGrath plays every morning, there's a halo. Oh, there goes your monetization. Girlfriend's poor. No, that's fine. Bed. Yeah, that sounds nothing like him. Yeah. Uh, you know, and people would buy tickets and the, a lot of the proceeds would go to funding the military. That's an example of a fun way to raise money for the military. But other than that, it would just be wealthy, successful people that love America, that want to defend it for selfish reasons. Would uh, fund the military. So, but n- half as many of that, I think most people would not do it. I think maybe conservatives who are like you know. I think you're wrong, but even even if ten percent, even in today's world, in a, in today's largely regulated world, uh, America, which is a fraction of the level of prosperity it could be, you you would have even if today's top ten percent, who I keep hearing about. Today's 10% have all the money, 1%, 1% have all the money. That one percent could fund the military, right? So like, but would they? They could, and if the alternative is having a weak country that gets invaded by all types of crazy Asians, then obviously they would do it. But I mean, again, remember, we live in the age of pragmatism, where most people are not thinking that long term. To them, everything's short term, and how do I feel right now? So we need people that treat their life the way they treat their business. They're looking at the the next 10 years, they're looking at the next 50 years, and just you know, as- that, you know that proverb? A society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they will never sit beneath. That's beautiful. And yeah. uh, what does that mean? Let's talk about this. I like this. Yeah. Why, why do old men plant a tree they will never get to sit beneath? So that the children who come after them will have shade to sit under. Yes. And also, why do they care about children in the few, after they're dead? I don't know why. Because while they're alive, they love life. They love being alive. They love many people that they know. They love seeing children learn to walk and sit under trees. They love life. They love their animals. They love their plants. You know, they're passionate right. about life and and all these things. And then the, to them, the idea of just planting a tree means that at that moment, their life had value. Like they were they were pursuing their own value. They love they love what that planting represents. And uh, they get to lay in their deathbed and maybe even be reminded of that little tree and die with a smile on their face. So it, it's their personal values. It's not altruism. It's not, oh, I... I'm just going to sacrifice this time and this seed and plant it, even though I'll get nothing out of it. That's just such an ugly uh, Look, thing to strive for. It's, it's selfish, but in a rational way, in a beautiful way. I'm not, I'm not uh, one who would favor a command economy, quite the opposite. But I also think not literally the opposite end of the spectrum, which would be an unplanned competitive market where you don't know if you're going to have the budget you need to defend yourself from an attack from an adversary like China. I think there's got to be some planning. And if there's some planning, we have to have some budgeting. So that means taxes. Again, I believe in having a military, the government's, it should be the government doing it, not Bill Gates, not Steve right. Jobs. Maybe some of the technology those guys come up with should be uh, licensed, whatever, by the government. I'm not, I'm not a legal philosopher. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. I am so, a, I'm a dropout. But I'm saying, but I'm saying the government should have a military and that they should be able to figure out what is the budget. And then is the society willing to pay for that budget? And then if the answer is no, which I don't think it would be, but if the answer is no, then that country has a problem on its hand. And it's true. Doesn't I mean, deserve, the, the, doesn't deserve to be, by the way, you would, you, you would fund the military. I, I would not. Well, not today's military with right. all their BS, but with, in with a rational society, if you knew the military's job was explicit and clear and limited, 
and but, I was in charge of it. You trust, you know, I'm a good general, right? You know, I'm, I care, you know, you've seen me talk about the rights of the individual and the American philosophy of its founding and all these things. And you know that the president agrees with that too. And, and I'm his general and we're going out to deal with Chinese forces that are violating the rights of Americans. You would have some money to, to volunteer. I think you've made a, a really good point. If people were not willing to fund the military, then we do have a problem. And the only reason we're able to engage in a lot of trash wars that seem to, to fail in the Middle East is because people are forced to fund the military. And so I wonder if that, regardless of whether or not you're forced to pay for it or you wouldn't choose to pay for it, shows a larger problem breaking, a larger break in this country in general. Not only that people are forced to to pay taxes, but also, uh, again, people, they don't hold dear the rights of the individual. They don't see their own life as their standard of value. They don't see their own life as something to, to die protecting. How do you feel about conscription? Against it. But the founding fathers were for it. They were wrong. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. How about that, bro? Good point. Yeah, so uh, uh, how do you feel about the Second Amendment? I think I'm for it, but it, it's not, this is gonna, okay, now if anyone doesn't hate me yet, <laughs> I'm gonna piss them off and say, in my opinion... In my, not everyone agrees with me. In my opinion, the right to bear arms is not as fundamental as the right to property and the right to speech. What I mean is your property as a billionaire, your right as a billionaire to own your big, crappy Silicon Valley company is more sacrosanct to me than the, the right to own a gun. I know. It, I, I hate to pick which one is more important, but Man, I'm, on the, I'm the opposite. Right. That's I think the you're problem. Right to own a property gun. <laughs> without the right to property, the right without the right to pro, to own what you've. How produced. do you protect you own, what you? How do you protect what you've produced if you can't have the question? Weapons? First is, do you have an inalienable right to that property? And yes. if, you, if you say yes, and from my cold dead hands take this property, then we can talk about. Okay, well, is in, is individual civilians owning guns? A, a a meaningful, effective way to protect property rights? And maybe the answer is yes, in which case I'm for it. But it's derivative. The fir first comes property rights. See what well, I'm saying? I agree. I agree. Because mm -hmm. the gun is property as well. If you have no right to property, how would well, you... Well, but, but it is conceivable, and you're going to hate me for this, but it is conceivable that weapons... Some weapons are not a right to own because they 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 cause more destruction than and some companies cause massive destruction, like the Cuyahoga River, which was mass polluted and burst into flames. So I think you'd agree that we regulate well, if, companies. if the rivers were privately owned, then the, the owner of that river would be able to file a lawsuit and uh, retire. And if the roads are privately owned, I could carry a weapon on my own private property. Depending again on how the legal philosophers determine what it is that the individual needs in order to live a m rational life in a free society. But the what, if, what the if people are speeding down my road dangerously and they're violating my 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 I, rights? Should I, I take think, a gun and try and stop them? I think you set the speed limit. But look, this is very no, advanced no, legal like, philosophy. So so I'm look. You know you're you're saying that. A, a gun isn't the same level of there may, there may be some guns you should not have for a variety of reasons because they can cause more damage. I think massive companies cause massive damage. Listen, I, those are two very different types of um, questions. Should an individual be able to own an like Uzi? The, like the Bhopal and, disaster that, you know, kills hundreds of thousands of people versus someone with a gun who might kill dozens. Listen, the, the right to kill somebody is not yours, you, uh, like in unless it's self-defense. Right. But. The, polluting someone else's property is always wrong, no matter what. There's no such thing as polluting someone else's river. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to find that distinction between some guns can be very dangerous, so you can't have them, versus some companies can be very dangerous, but you can still have them. 
in what way are companies dangerous? So, like, uh, if you have, say, a, a, a semi-auto 50 BMG mm-hmm. anti-material rifle, you're not intending to use it. You shouldn't be to harm another person who is innocent, using it to protect yourself, your property from, you know, helicopters and tanks that might violate your property. Or for the most part, we, we, we agree in the United States, you can defend yourself from lethal harm, reasonable fear. If like, you know, if somebody is threatening you, you have a way to defend yourself. And it's typically if you think they're going to kill you, right? So it is wrong to take a gun and use it for the purpose of intentionally inflicting death upon someone who is not threatening you in any way or, or, you know, coming at you, right? Right. So that would be a violation to use that weapon that was too dangerous in a dangerous way. Okay. Well, the intended purpose of, say, a chemical processing plant is to provide petrochemicals to individuals like cleaning solutions and fuels. It is not the intended purpose to blow up and poison hundreds of thousands of people. But they, but it can, as a 50 BMG semi-auto, can be used to kill innocent people. So which one do we regulate or do we regulate none of them? Well, regulation is, is different than... um it making things illegal that are too dangerous. So I don't know exactly what should be legal when it comes to like what's too dangerous for for people to have. Obviously, a, a private company cannot build their own atom bomb and then hold it over a neighboring city and say, well, it's my property. <laughs> no, I mean, you need to look at what is the type of society where an individual, again, can look at the world, choose his rational values and pursue them without anyone else impeding on them. And there, I don't think there's any... There's think need, any I think you need guns. Okay, fine. I'm, yeah. But my point is, and I didn't need to pick this battle, pardon the pun, because I could have just said, yeah, you have the right to bear arms, and everyone in the chat room would, would stop hating me, and, and, we, clap and, and we would, yeah, and I would get to throw some red meat to all of the Second Amendment people, but I just want to be philosophical about this and say the right to bear arms is derivative. First comes the I right to that. property. Yes. And the reason you have a right to own property is because in order to live, you need to produce. I and agree. You, yeah. so you, you have the right to speak because speech is a expression of thought. So I, I, I agree with the property part. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and look, I, 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 I understand your opinions. I'm not saying they're wrong. I have opinions. You have opinions. I just think that it is derivative. The right to own property comes first. And I think bearing arms is more fundamental to the individual than the billionaire individual. So well, let, me, let me or the corporation. So I'll clarify. If you're somebody who works, you know, breaks your back every day, you know, farming and raising chickens or whatever. There are bad people who will steal. I mean, this is a, this is a this is a thing that exists. There are also animals that don't consider it theft. It's scavenging and opportunism. The right to bear arms can protect you from those animals who would strip away what you've produced, but also criminal individuals who would as well. So we can even remove the the, the bad thieves from the, the equation and say, all right, what about a fox and a coyote come on your property? Can you protect yourself and your chickens from that coyote? Well, you'll need a gun or at least some kind of weapon. And I don't think you're going to be going up against coyotes with a machete. I think you'd be hard pressed to find a free market person who is opposed to, you know, uh, either bearing arms or certainly companies protecting themselves from wild animals. I think the the, the controversy comes up when it comes to big weapons and many, many weapons. So, I mean, if the standard is we need a, a society where the individual is able to um, who pursue the life that he wants without being interrupted by outside people, then, again, speech and property are the fundamentals. And then the right to protect your property and person with a gun, it's reasonable. See, again, I could have let this tricky. one go easy, but I wanted to be a little, uh, you know, a bit of a hard ass just to clarify that it's. I think it's derivative. And then I think just to, to kind of cap off this conversation, when it comes to corporation versus corporation or individual, just legal lawsuits, civil courts and stuff is... I think reasonable. Anybody would agree with, right? 
Can like you repeat if, that? If, if like a corporation was say polluting a river and that and and that was affecting a farmer who was like a small farmer, he would file a lawsuit. Yeah, you know, the, but the river, by the way, would not be publicly owned. The, the river owner would be able to sue much quicker than the how do you, farmer. How, do you, how does one person own an entire river? Would it be a corporation that owns it? Either that, yeah. I pro- usually, I think. Oh, look, I mean, it's hard for me to tell you how it would work, but mm-hmm. I mean, back when property was mostly... Um, Corporations were, were a new thing. Wasn't the Brooklyn Bridge like the first corporation? No. Corporations existed in the times of the founders. It was, it was an American innovation, I believe. I just read about this in a journal called The Objective Standard. But wasn't it like they only, they were temporary? I don't like think so. Lasted. I think there's a lot of anti-corporate sentiment in the world, in the propaganda. intellectual world. What's it's all what? I was kidding. I said it's all propaganda. It is. Kidding. I think it is. I mean, there's a, both anarchists, liber, a lot of libertarians, obviously leftists, and a lot of these populist nationalists. They all see corporations as some bastardization of the idea of property rights and all that. But really, it is taking property rights and and kind of uh, making them better uh, protected in a in a marketplace. So yeah. I'm, I'm pro-corporation. Obviously, you're a corporate entity yourself. I'm a corporate entity. We are surrounded by the fruits of corporate efforts. Honestly, I, this is going to piss off the last person watching this that does not hate me. I liked, because I think I know what he meant, I liked when R- Mitt Romney in 2012 said, corporations are people. Because I think I, <laughs> I think I know what he meant to say is that we're talking about corporations as though they're floating, some floating aliens that have nothing to do with the American. No, corporations, corporations are people, my friend. The, the, the creators, the workers, the owners, and the shareholders, and the customers are all people. Do you think that's what he meant? Like corporations are comprised of people? That's what I think he meant. He did not mean to say that literally these corporations have a name and zip code and social security. I think number. they are <laughs> legally. Aren't they legally persons? They're, they're, they're legal persons for the sake of like lawsuits and things like that. You know. Yeah, that was that one. But yeah. right, right. They didn't I used think, to be. I think, like it's, it's a ma- I think the whole thing was a semantic argument, to be fair. But let's, uh, let's read some Super Chats, my friends. If you yes. have not already, make sure you smash the like button because it really does help. And go to TimCast.com, become a member for exclusive members-only segments. We do little bonus segments after the show and sometimes full episodes. But this was actually a fairly interesting. I mean, is it, I think there was, a, there was a good discussion, Rucka, because, uh, you know, we've not had uh, that kind of discussion or debate before on the show. Yeah. We, we've had leftists on the show who have given us very obvious leftist opinions, and we've argued quite a bit. And uh, this was interesting because it was kind of in the other direction. You know, what's interesting to me is I started talking about any of this stuff. I was, you know, I was just an average dude, uh, neckbeard sitting in my bedroom. Uh, like, you know, the story of Sargon as illustrated in this beautiful uh, number. <laughs> uh-huh. He uh, He was minding his own business when he saw something happening he wanted to speak out about. So as much as I hate what he believes today, kind of where he ended up, I have to tell you, it's an inspiring story of a totally worthless stoner lowlife saying, no, I want, I have something to say. You read Atlas Shrugged and mm-hmm. like changed your life? Oh, yeah. The Fountainhead really changed my life when I first read that. And then Atlas Shrugged, it's like that on steroids. It's amazing. Um, so but yeah, I started talking about objectivism and Ayn Rand around 2016 tw- or 2017 because... Um, I saw a lot of people leaving the left. We're leaving the left. The left has gone bananas. Well, the left. What happened to the left? Right? And I said, guys, I get what you're I get what you're upset about, and I think you're right, but where is this going? What's your positive that you're moving towards? And if if you're just moving recklessly away from the left, it's not gonna go anywhere positive. And what we've seen is a lot of people basically kind of shrug, pardon the pun, and turn back to the left. A lot of those guys, a lot of them have turned to this sort of stringent nationalism that, again, has nothing to do with principles, nothing to do with 
individual rights being inalienable. And uh, a lot of people call themselves centrist. They're sort of still trying to figure it out. And they're not going to, you know, they, they have nothing positive that they're really fighting for. And it's, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to tame the forces of madness on the left and right. So my friends, you know, think about what, what you truly believe and, uh, you know, and be like this guy. He was just an average dude. Ah, look at that mask. He put on that mask. He became the warlord he became. That's what, Sargon. That's what I am now, and that's what you can be, too. Uh, let's read some of these super chats. Again, smash the like button because it's very important. And share the podcast if you like it. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, leave us a good review if you like the show. Let's see what we got. Cryptic says, Tim, you should look into having Chris Dwayne, a.k.a. the YouTube channel, The Greatest Truth Never Told, on your channel. Let's see, Jean McLeod. Oh, he says, no Luke, no peace. Luke is, uh, I don't know what he's doing. He went to Anarchopolco. He's back now. Jean, oh, he's back. Yeah. Jean McLeod says, Tim and Lydia, your mask maker here. How are all your masks holding? Oh, yeah. Do I need to remake them or send new elastic? Ian, what is your favorite color so I can make you one? Ian, Blue. Color? I like green blue. Yeah. Mine's Teal. doing all right. Oh, yeah. Um, but we don't really need them that much anymore. Yeah. That's I barely wear nice. mine. Yeah. Out, out yeah. in the middle of nowhere, it's kind of like no one's really, it's not really that... I uh, I have to say this is my favorite mask that I've ever had. It was custom made for us and it fits me just perfectly. I put a picture of it on my Instagram a while ago and it's still it's holding up really well. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, let's see. Matt McCormick says, "Imagine my surprise to see Rucka on the show. West B and Pine Grove forever." I know Matt. What yeah. up? What up, cheeks? Cheeks. No, he doesn't Gosh. like being called that, but I think in this context he'll appreciate the shout out. All right, whatever and everything says Tim. Been watching for years. I've learned a lot from your channel. I made a hip-hop song called 2 Plus 2 Equals 5. Check it out. I'm an 80s baby with a 90s flow. Salute. Hmm. It'll do. Zabruzzi Willis says, love you guys, especially you, Tim Chan. Tim Chan. One day, I'm, it's San. Yeah. I'm a man. All right. Uh, Adam Austin says, happy belated birthday, Tim. My birthday was yesterday the 14th, which is the most important birthday because it is also Karl, Marth, Karl Marx's death date. Oh. Is that real? It's also Pi Day. It is Pi Day. Chesty says, get that Star Wars girl on your show. She wants to come on. Uh, we'll look into it. Peter A. says, Tim, thoughts about starting a record label? I make death metal and would like to put a record out on a label not run by woke people. Most indie metal punk labels are woke or toe the line publicly. Uh, I don't know about starting a, a record label. That's probably outside of my wheelhouse. I just made one song so far. We might make more. So we'll see. Timothy Peterson says, absolutely devastated today. I'm a Caucasian cat. That's been married, Caucasian cat, that's been married to a black woman for 14 years. Found out from a blue check that I'm racist because of that. That's right. There was a guy who's like, he's going viral because he made some ridiculous claim about interracial couples being a sign that the guy is racist. And it's like the weirdest argument ever. I genuinely think these people are white supremacists. I think they're just lying and, and using the left to try and manipulate into gaining power. It's cultural indoctrination. Can I jump in here and say that song of yours? I really like that. Like the video oh, you yeah. showed me. Oh, the Will of the People. The, the Will of the People. Thank you, sir. I respect it. it Production-wise, you really brought that vision to life. Well, Nishra is the one who did all the production and then iStudios in Sweden are the ones who did the animation. Delegation so. takes, you know, skill as well. So yeah. even if you didn't personally do it, it got done on your watch. There you go. Hey, I supervised. Therefore, I, uh, I get all the credit for it. I, I'm saying it unironically. You're putting yourself down because if you give yourself full credit for what for what took place, that means those well, I did write the whole also thing. get credit. What? I wrote I wrote all of it. Yeah, it's yeah. your song. I don't yeah. care who you hired. I mean, I, it's great. I, I'm happy for them as well. Good job. Cool. But, you know. All right. Nate Hammer says two guys were arrested for assaulting Officer Sicknick and two other officers at the Capitol on 1-6. They sprayed them with something stronger than pepper spray, 
They are not charged with murder-related sickness death. I saw that's interesting. DW said, sold some crypto for this rucka. I still watch your ET parody about OBL, icon of YouTube's golden age. Can I get a rucka rucka? Rucka rucka! Okay, guys, I know you wouldn't go with me on the, uh, whoa, but can we get an Ali when I go rucka rucka? Ali! Okay, rucka rucka rucka! Ali! Oh, even Tim, even Tim. Nah, that was the one here with the golden That was avant garde. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Malcolm McKee says, please ask Rucka to plug The Ominous Parallels by Leonard Paikoff. He'll know what I'm talking. I like this guy. Yeah, what's that about? So The Ominous Parallels is a book that uh, I actually gave Sargon back in the summer of 2017 when I met him. And uh, I hustled to, uh, me and my boy Kirk hustled to get that book to him. And he ended up reading it and he, he read an excerpt of it on his channel, and he got attacked by a bunch of people who really, really uh, don't like the Jewish people. They wow. were saying, how can you trust this book? It was written by a Jew. But, you know, Sargon was really moved by the book. It was the 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 memorable line of the book is, ideas are the motor of history. So this book was explaining what took place in Germany. It was, uh, it was not because of the German race. It was not because of the economic crisis. That crisis was worldwide. It was ideas. It was the German philosophers. They... To, they made Germany a place where madmen like Hitler could rule the people. And it was, it was the idea, you know, philosophers ruling the world in yeah. essence. It was Mussolini too. That guy was a psycho. I mean, why did the Italians go along with it? They were also influenced by philosophy. They, they did not have the type of individualism that I'm advocating for. All right. Let's see. Immediate casualty care says for the, up, for, for the upcoming riots, consider buying body armor before it's illegal. CHR 4568, Responsible Body Armor Possession Act. But even more importantly, get trauma supplies for training. We offer concealed kits on our site. Interesting. The God Pill says, just did an 11-hour live today teaching options, game uh, GME and AMC, and how to make life-changing money. I don't know what GameStop's at, to- at today, but I know it's been uh, doing well for a lot of people. Austin Hartless says, Hi- hey, Tim and crew, saw some stuff this weekend about the EPA coming after motorsports. Might be worth making a video about it or having a car enthusiast on to talk oh, about wow. it. Wow, interesting. Really interesting. Alyosha says, No, the Dark Ages is a myth. See historyforatheist.com. What? Is that is is that really what I've people heard believe? A, a theory that the church made up the years between six hundred AD and and eleven hundred or something and made up this guy Charlemagne to kind of empower the idea of the church. And since they had all the all the data, they just rewrote it and said, This is what it was. It's five hundred oh. years have passed. They didn't say that. They just I mean, said more it like is the year 1000 or a thousand years of very f- little philosophical innovation. And it was the rediscovery of Aristotle, not Aristotle's logic. Now, Aristotle, there were two elements to Aristotle, in my understanding. Um, oh, you look so excited to be talking about this. You just looked at me like, why the f- <laughs> f are you going here no but listen not. aristotle is the father of science so look at look around we better think we, we better thank the chap Arist- there's two elements to what he he offers um logic right facts and logic but logic facts induction induction looking and then observe you know observing and acting on that or uh getting principles from what you observe not just dealing with ideas detached detached from reality so in the Dark Ages, you still had Aristotle's logic. You had intellectuals uh, having logical arguments and all types of, um, you know, rationalistic discussions about what is God and what does God want and all of that. But it was the rediscovery of Aristotle's induction, I think, by Thomas Aquinas. And uh, I think it was the Arabs. It was the Arabs. 
Gotta love the Arabs. He, they, they studied Aristotle while those honkies, while those crackers were giving Aristotle no time of day. So right. when you, when you go to your, uh, gas station, you think, you thank that gentleman. I will do that. Yeah. All right, we got one. They're making fun of you. You ready? Oh, here we go. <laughs> Loktar says, Tim, appreciate you bringing on a Pee Wee Herman impersonator. Nice wow. to have a comedic breakup and watch you school a low-information voter between oh, wow. serious topics. Love the show. Imagine seeing a guy that had COVID-19 barely a month ago and speaking this way to him. Do you know I had COVID-19? Did you wash your hands? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, you know, y- you guys who are watching, you got to be you got to be nice, man. You know, we we have people on the show who don't always agree with everything and we don't want that. You know, we, we have disagreements. I think the, intri- the, the conversations have to happen. And it it is tough because we have a lot of guests on the show that afterwards are like, wow, that was that was kind of brutal. Like your audience was really, you know, being mean. And I'm like, well, look, you know, sometimes if you want to if you want to be in this kind of business. People, I, I, people are mean to me all the time. I, I mean, what, what what's uh, frustrating to me is not that all these people hate me, but it's like, what if nobody is kind of hearing my message? But I know that's not true, and I know at least one person is going to contact me, at, or or at least in their mind think that what I said helped them rethink about things a certain way. So if just one person's life can be affected positively, then uh, why is it not worth my time to come on here and uh, you know give my opinion? Yeah, and I think it's like if you don't listen to opinions you don't agree with or you think are wrong, like how how will you sharpen your mind and 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 confront these ideas when you reach the, when you encounter them in the real world? Yeah, Tammy Davis says, "Dude wants to fight a conservative. Invite Stephen Crowder or the Hodge twins. Ugh. Bet he will calm his ass down. He has no clue what a Trump supporter believes." Ooh, I mean, again, people think I'm criticizing tr- all Trump supporters. I'm saying here's what, in my opinion, Trump symbolizes. He is the pragmatist president. He is the American president that wants nothing to do with philosophy, nothing to do with principles. A lot of his policies are probably excellent, but po- policy does not matter, as a certain formerly gay uh, British chap used to say. Policy does not matter. And I think although I disagree with everything that that gentleman used to say, he was right on that point. In a sense, policy, of course, matters. It had immediate consequences. But what matters is how you arrived at those policies. And pragmatism, my friends, is what got us into this mess. So let's go back to the intellectual era before pragmatism, back to a time when they knew damn well that the Dark Ages had had existed and they really didn't want to go back. Rob Lowe, Rob's Lowe's, says, I respect this man for coming on the show, but everything he is complaining about, he is doing it himself. Trump lost. It's over. You are complaining about how loud he is, but all you have done is yell and interrupt Tim. Listen. Oh, so Trump lost now? Excuse me. I whoa, was whoa, not. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, I'm joking. He's going to stereotype all the Trump supporters? I'm just being kind of a, I'm a, I do stereotypes, all right? <laughs> That's kind of my thing. Look, I took this one individual person and I turned him into a stereotype of himself. Oh, man. This like is what I do. Look, you, you criticize Trump mm-hmm. and this, like a lot of people then were like, I'm I'm gonna put in my super chats and I'm gonna you know yeah. fight back. You, but, sh- you but showed me furry insanity. I gotta I gotta I gotta call you out for this one. Oh no, he says OMG, this guy is a dem crony. Let's all thank China for our prosperity. Okay, Joe Junior. As much as like I disagree with you on the China stuff, they didn't I think hear. you're like a you're like the opposite of a Democrat. Yeah, they didn't hear anything I said. I mean, there are some Democratic points that I agree with. I agree with them. I I think on abortion, maybe not for the same reasons as they're maybe pro-abortion. I agree with them on, uh, let's say, at a time when gay marriage was illegal, I agreed with them that it should be legalized. But 
But I mean, this person did not listen to anything I said. I wanted to talk about philosophy. I wanted to t- ask what is the nature of man? What is, what is it that made America great? What is it that made America worth fighting over? That I, that's what I wanted to ask. And also all these people hating on me. Tell that to the, uh, all the people who, who bought the Sargon vinyl. Uh, that are, you know, in the time we've been doing this show. Tell that to them. Obviously, they agree with every last word that I said. All right. A magic monkey says, I live in rural New Mexico. We always supported Trump just because of the wall. If you don't think guns are necessary, wait till the cartels and caravans come across your doorstep. I mean, if you think the wall is that important, then uh, we I'm not going to reach you here today. Maybe maybe someday. I think uh, a confident, prosperous, strong society does not need to build walls. A, a confident, strong, prosperous society knows that like people want to move here, but they can't wait to uh, to prosper. They're they're too busy too busy winning to worry about. Uh, people, I'll tell you this: people moving in and 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 competing for jobs. I, you know where I think we agree. People got to be like pioneers again. You know what I mean? I, we've talked about this on the show before. Think about being in London and then being like, I'm going to get on a boat for three months. I might die. And then I'm going to land on a shore where there's literally nothing. And that's my plan for life. And they did that. They landed on the shores, New England, whatever. And they're like, all right, we got water and we got trees. We got to find food. We got to find shelter. We got to build it. They had literally nothing. Where are the people in America that are willing to do that? Willing to buy a plot of land in the middle of nowhere and literally start building their own house, building for, uh, their own factories. The Martian exploration. It's all going to be on Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, I, that I get. But like at a certain point, there's like, you know, you, you mentioned this earlier about people should do their own thing. And I'm like, I agree. If maybe you're not having work, start making things. You know, I, I don't know. And it's, advocate it's, for liberating the economy, privatize things. Do you know that in financial institutions, the big ones, there, is, there are regulators with offices in the banks. Like, this is it. The government and the banks are basically the same person. It, we need to separate the two. I mean, the, the uh, finance, finance and, and fossil fuels, by the way, are the lifeblood of all human life. And the reason we hate them so much is because we hate look thinking is such a big picture. We hate uh, acknowledging the fact that to live as a human being is to think long term, is to be independent and, and to observe reality. There, there, there's a lot of people in the Super Chats that are not too happy, but I thought this was actually a pretty substantive conversation. I mean, yeah. we can't just have shows where we're like, I agree. I agree that you agree. I also <laughs> agree with you. And like, yeah. we have a lot I of agree. We, if, have, we have a lot of guests on the show where it's like, basically, we just agree on everything. And then everyone in the Super Chats like, I also agree. And it's yeah. like, nah, well, nah, nah. I mean, we don't. Who wants that? And, you know, if we had a good conversation and they we got some Super Chats for you, then uh, that's all I can about well i mean i think if people disagree with what you say then like one person said you know never have this guy on the show again and i'm like no that's more reason to actually have that's him on all the reason show. not only again but weekly i'm actually uh, yeah I, I, i'm actually I'm, moving I'm, in <laughs> this, this is not me this is, this is not what i'm interested in i'm not interested in sitting down with someone and hearing my opinions back at back yeah, it's at boring. Me. The, the debate between individualism and collectivism is so key you need both you have to, like you that's can't right. if, if it's raw individualism you get slavery and so you need a collective no. to oversee. I well, mean, if you give a oh. company no rules, they'll hire people for 30 cents and and monopolize the world with weapons. So you need a government to protect us from that. That's why so we built you, the government. So you want to go now. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> but if once you get overly collective, then the government becomes its own monopoly. Invi- it's, it's, it, it's a maze, man. It's no, not- it's not. It's it, it, Raw individualism is not slavery. You cannot have slavery where in a society where the, the rights of the individual are protected. So that's but not— But who's protecting it? Well, f- philosophically, you identify that to live is to live free, to live productively. It's pro- very productively. utopian, man. It's You're talking utopian. about like writing up a constitution like every, with like, like government, Like everyone's right? going to agree with each other. We'll respect all these values. No, it's a government's going to protect it. Well, That's we, why we wrote we, the constitution. We, we form the government, government is restricted by the constitution. The, oh, the government right. is the collective. But the constitution restricts what the government can do. It doesn't gov- grant the government powers to do anything. 
Well, well it, it, I'm it sorry, I have to the clarify. Government. The Bill of Rights. The Constitution literally outlines what the government does. Sure. And the Bill of Rights restricts what the government it, does. I mean, we have to protect ourselves from mercenary warfare. You know, that's the, in, that's the, that's yeah, the I'm, individual I'm the middle, military I'm, source. I'm, we got to... Of, of, of course, you need both. I think there's a balance. No, but, there, it's not a balance. We need to identify the right principles and then be extreme about them. I'm an extremist. I'm a radical. Well, so what do you do when 100 people who are communists show up with guns? I mow them. What do you mean? They show up with guns. You you have a military and a police for that. So look, the issue is you have to organize a military and a police, right? Yes. I mean, they're they have they have uniforms like they are a legitimate part of a free society. The government, the the courts, the military and yeah, the yeah, yeah. executive and the uh, so there's to the a, a certain degree you agree that people will be forced to do things. No, they will be prevented from violating anyone else's rights. No, but how do you pay for the for the police to it? We talked about taxation. Come on, you really want to have that same literal same ar- argument discussion? I, I I just think you you have this idea that everyone's going to agree and be happy, and it's very utopian. Listen, I if if I if I could uh, get you to consider one thing, it's that uh, the work that intellectuals do in their ivory towers is where most people get their their philosophy from. So the fact that most people that that critical race theory is rampant right now comes from the universities. Obviously, we know that. Uh, the fact that the alternative to critical race theory being posed is pragmatism, again, comes from the universities. So the universities is where individualism, I would like objectivism, the philosophy of Ayn Rand to be offered, to be to, to spread. And you will see rational people that understand we're not all subjectively, you know, gra- uh, grappling with with aimlessness, with aimless goals, we are living in reality, and reality is is our frame of reference. Why have you and I not come come uh, other than me, ta- uh, you know, uh, crapping on you th- verbally? Why have we not started to? Uh, why have I not, I not taken away your stuff and started to punch you and violate you sexually? Because we're rational beings. Well, we were trained not to. I mean, we're violent, no, wild so you, animals you that have been yourself. mildly tamed. That's it. That's all there is to you. You don't think in concepts. You don't. Where are you from? Plans. I was taught to. So where, I do. Where, where, where are you from? What do you mean? Like, where'd you grow up? Uh, I was born in Israel. Oh, there we go. The no, last no, of the no, people no, no, watching no. this that were not where'd you grow up? planning to kill me. So I was born in Israel. I lived in Detroit uh, through my teen years and through my 20s mostly. And now I'm in L.A. Right on. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't think there are people who just don't care about your rights and would just will take Most your stuff? people not only don't care, but are, are happy to violate them. Because, like I mean, this is what we're people. arguing about in a sense. Even some of the good guys like you are not willing to go all the way with rights because uh, at the end of the day it is a question of what is human nature and if we don't agree that human nature is to in order to survive must look at reality and live by the data and and think independently and think long term make plans none of this is trained and conditioned you need to independently uh solve the problems you guys were dragging the tv over because though i ruined the camera earlier with my yeah. zoom call i mean you got to look at yeah, reality you and you've got to make plans and you've got to act on it nobody's conditioned to live according to the facts of reality all right well let's you're, read you're some taught more. philosophical principles but you're not nobody can i mean you brainwashing exists but we are most of us are not brainwashed the way all i right. see it the duffin dale show says thanks for all that you do tim and crew with the uncertain future and political duopoly, it's best to be better prepared so that we can all lead more safe, confident, and self-reliant lives. Prepare for the worst, work for the best. Subscribe to the Duff and Dale Show. Hey, oh, thanks, Duff and Dale. There's a lot we didn't get to today. Yeah. Like, uh, remember we were talking about, I don't know if we were talking about this, but like, I was going to tell you, like, it, it seems like you think that when someone made money, that they're sus- suspect, you know? Who, who thinks that? Like, you think that, kind of. What, what do you mean? I don't You're think You're not, that. like, suspicious- 
or like you thought that like some people who went from like left to right did it because they were afraid of consequences. Or oh, something that's like that. that that's about like social enforcement. Yeah, like there. You are don't some... think like people can just like like evolve or change philosophically and like change I'd what they that. believe. Well, so I mean, look, look at how much money you're getting in super chats. Does that mean I should be suspicious of you because you can only be motivated by money? No, because the people who super chatted smack talking you, I just told them I, I, thought, I thought they were wrong. And one person said, he actually gave me money to say, I shouldn't have you on the show again. And I actually said the opposite. No, that's more reason to actually have you back. But maybe it's all part but of your But how plan. about when someone writes a letter disavowing one of their friends because they were accused of being a racist? I mean, like, that's a pretty bold thing to do. Mm-hmm. What about someone just all of a sudden, like, disappearing for a while and then coming back totally flipped saying, I'm no longer that politics, you know, I'm different now. If you agree with me that at least one person, at least Tim Pool, is making decisions based not on raw, vulgar material concerns, but is but based on principles, then I'm happy because that means you admit that principles are there, what drive. At there least are some one people person. that had like very strange moments where like a wave of censorship occurred, and then all of a sudden someone was like, "Oh, I, I just I just realized I'm actually not a conservative," and it's like, "Oh wow, that's a weird that's weird timing," and I think it's interesting too, like. The grift doesn't flow. It doesn't make sense that the grift flows to the right because the right is the dangerous position and the right has a, has a, has a lower market cap. It's harder to monetize. The left is where the corporations are, where the big money is, where the Grammys are, and where you're safe from censorship. I don't think anyone is really grifting. Well, some people are grifting. Some people are grifting. But, but I think I, most people are are making these types of decisions based on their judgment. And I often disagree with their judgment, but... You know, in some cases they're making money, in other cases they're losing money as a result of this decision. There are some channels that have, like, done extremely well, mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not looking to name them for specific reasons, but, like, you can compare their stuff after certain key moments in the culture war, and it's fairly obvious what they're doing. Like, again, I'm not only talking about leftists. I'm not only talking about conservatives. I'm not only talking about libertarians or only anti-SJW people or formerly anti-SJW people. I'm talking about literally everybody. And I'm going to avoid saying their names, but it includes the left. It includes the right. It includes people who have made very obvious and strategic moves around things that have happened. There are people who have said that they're in favor of free speech. And then you see them come out and say, I'm outraged. These people should be banned. And they try and morally justify it saying, well, you got to fight cancel culture with cancel culture. And I'm like, why banning anybody is wrong. Even if it means I'm in a weakened position, I'm still not going to say people should be suspended or banned or censored. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Anyway, let's read some more. Super tall birds has I've been watching Tim since Sargon gave him a shout out back in 2017. You two have always been my favorite creators. Bitcoin, GameStop, and Loom have made me financially independent, so I'm signing up for TimCast and the Lotus Eaters. I love Rucka's collab with Chris Reagan. Oh, that was uh, Punch a Nazi. Yeah. That was great. I, was, I, liked what I, I liked what I did on that very short feature that I had on that. Swing and fists and clubs. People are going, oh, that's who that was? That's right. I, that's I, right. I gave <laughs> you that little snippet of that song, and I can take it away. I think a lot of people that were active several years ago not so much abandoned their principles, but abandoned the fight itself. Like, it's a very stressful industry to, to be in. You're getting attacked left and right. They're sending you pictures of family members. They're threatening you. And then eventually people are like, dude, I don't need this. I want to talk about video games, man. And then all of a sudden they go from a political show to a, I just want to talk about video games. I don't want to do this anymore. And well, there, there are some people who like reached, stuck their neck out and then quickly recoiled when they realized just how dangerous it was to do that. But if people aren't willing to step up and stand on the front lines during a fight, then you don't win that fight. 
I agree that people do that, but I also think uh, a lot of people sort of changed maybe their sort of affiliation. Let's say they used to be on the left, and then they they thought, well, maybe the right has what I'm looking for, and then they said, okay, no, actually, I'm not I'm not at all on board with this, and they became sort of back to be left leaning, and maybe this time around they're not so concerned about social justice warriors. They think that's an overhyped uh, problem, let's say, or maybe this time around they support. BLM in a way that they didn't a few years ago. But I do see this as a evolution or the, in some cases, the opposite of evolution, a, a regression, a regressive leftist direction, uh, as a result of their philosophical conviction of like where their judgment led them. So as much as I, uh, often disagree with people, I, I do see it ultimately as that, you know, like, uh, I don't. I, I think most people I agree with you, but I, I'm, I'm specifically certain people to, you think just uh, a band, like they still sort of s- s- believe like what they believe, but they, they don't have the courage that they used to have. That's the way you see it. No, I think they're probably always just in it as a personality to make money. So there are certain people who, who spoke up as like, I saw something and I believe in this and I'm going to speak up against it. Then there were some people who just maybe talked about video games and movies. Politics got real heavy. So all of a sudden they were like, yo, this is dumb. I don't like, what are you talking about? This politics. And then later was like, dude, I don't care to be involved in this anymore. Yeah. yeah, whatever. The movies are fine. Do you understand that, like, from a lot of people's perspective, you and Sargon and many others, you started off as, like, reluctantly okay with Trump because you really hate Hillary. But, like, flash forward a few years and it just seems like Trump is, like, the Did figure. maybe Trump do something different? Did maybe something change in the, in the, in the past few years that I've specifically talked about? Does maybe. May, do maybe people like you, instead of watching the content good point. or trying to understand what's going on, yeah. just say, how come two years ago he said Trump is bad and now he's saying Trump is good? No, Could it be, yeah. I don't know, maybe Trump fired 50, 59 Tomahawk missiles into Syria and I said, wow, this guy's a moron. He, he hired John Bolton. This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And then in the last few months of his, of his administration, he had the Abraham Accords bringing about four historic peace agreements, notably with Israel. And I was like, wow, that's really good. And then he was instructing the, the Pentagon to remove our troops from, the, from Afghanistan and they obstructed him. And then one one federal uh, uh, official lied to the American people about the amount of people in Syria to stop Trump from pulling them out. Could it be that I said we have Joe Biden, who is the VP overseeing Iraq, a warmonger monster who exploited his position in government to make millions of dollars and Trump, the boisterous, lewd and lascivious. Let's just call him chaotic individual who I've been very critical for a lot of reasons. He's increased drone strikes. That was bad. He obfuscated the drone reporting. He Tomahawk missiles in in uh, uh, Syria, missile strikes in Iran, potential escalation there. But then all of a sudden, I'm looking at school choice. I'm looking at the banning of critical race theory at the, at, at the federal government level. I'm looking at what, what are the other things? Uh, the Abraham Accords, most notably, and a booming economy in 2019. And I said, for, the, for, the, for what I believe is right, the biggest issues that I think affect me, one, war, trying to get out of Afghanistan is worthy of my, my, uh, my uh, compliments. The Abraham Accords are historic. The actions he took with North Korea, while not particularly effective in the long run, were still an amazing. You know that Donald Trump crossed the demilitarized zone into North Korea with no security. That was bold and powerful, especially for me and what I know about my family. I saw that. I was like, dude could have just been killed on the spot. But he was he, he, he didn't worry about it. And that's the kind of effort you have to make even with bad people that even Obama tried making. And I will give him credit for that. And right now I've praised Joe Biden for moving up the vaccine timeline. You see, 
the people who actually watch this show probably realize there's a nuanced opinion in these things. And there are probably some really good reasons to support Donald Trump over Joe Biden. But what ends up happening is the people I'm critical of who, who don't pay attention and only hold opinions for the sake of making money, the real grifters, all of a sudden find themselves on the side of the woke cult-like leftists they opposed for years, right around the time that YouTube changed its algorithm and started banning these people. All of a sudden, they disappear and come back with an awakening. Now I'm different. Now I realized what, what was actually right the whole time. Or if they didn't go that overt, like writing a letter disavowing their own friends because they were scared about being called racists, they decided that, well, I'm going to simmer things down, reduce the amount of content I'm doing, and probably just stop, t- stop talking about it. You want to engage in a fight because you claim to believe in things, but then abandon it the moment things get hot. You are a grifter. You never actually believed in these things. That's what I'm critical of. So perhaps Whatever Sargon's opinions are, he actually had an evolution on certain issues. Maybe he realized, you know what, I was wrong about that two years ago. For me, I don't think I was wrong two years ago when I said Trump was wrong to fire Tomahawk missiles in Syria. And I don't think I'm wrong now to say Joe Biden was wrong to do the same thing. Both did not have congressional approval for that. But guess what? The mainstream media praise both when they do it. Granted, Joe Biden got a little bit of flack for this from some personalities because it seems like the establishment is weakening as the DSA types and more progressives start moving in. But Donald Trump all of a sudden was being called presidential because he was blowing up. He was bombing an airbase with missiles. There are many people who don't seem to have any reasonable uh, uh, reason for transitioning their opinions from where they used to stand to where they are now. And my opinions seem to be relatively static, save the Second Amendment. When the riots happened, when COVID happened, and when someone tried to break into my house, I went and bought guns, learned about them, and now my opinions very much changed in the Second Amendment. Other than that, it's almost entirely the same as it was years ago, even when I made a video while I still worked for Disney, criticizing black segregated college ceremonies. Or, or black segregated protest rooms during Black Lives Matter when I worked for Vice. All of those opinions are exactly the same as they've been. And perhaps I probably should evolve a bit more on some of those positions, but I haven't. Instead, we get a bunch of people who are scared. They're scared the machine is winning. They're scared the establishment is gaining ground. The Grammys is promoting Black Lives Matter and asking for accomplices. So instead of standing tall and say, I will not move, you move, they say, oh, I'm, I, that was a mistake. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to talk about politics. <laughs> you guys see that new movie that just came out? Those are called cowards. I think we got some super chats. Yep. <laughs> And if you haven't already, make sure you smash that like button, and uh, we'll just read a couple more, because I just did a big, long rant, however long (laughs) that was. Luminiscent says, a country's policy should be flexible, not rigid. Open border is a pipe dream. There are countries that don't like America that would camouflage. And to to that regard, too, I seem to recall praising Bernie Sanders when he said open borders is a Koch brothers uh, proposal, and when he was actually in favor of building a border barrier. Yeah. Back in, I think, what was that 2007, 2008, when Schumer and Pelosi and all these Democrats were like, we need to build a border barrier. And Hillary Clinton said the same thing. Uh, Elizabeth Sink says, yes, Tim, yes. Patrick Massis says, good guest. Don't agree all the time, but discussion builds mental muscle. That's exactly right. That's why I'm glad Rucka came on the show and we had these conversations because I don't want to just sit around with people who are saying, I agree. Yes, By the you're way. right. And also... <laughs> I was going to just be like, uh, try to crack jokes the whole time and just have, have, have a wonderful <laughs> time. And like serious. three minutes in, we're arguing about the, the nature of man and free will. That was will. the point. Yeah, that's what, that's what this show we, became. Because we, we, did, we did discuss this a long time ago. We, we were at, where were we? I think we were at the casino at that event. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about objectivism and stuff like that. 
That's why I figured it'd be, you'd be cool to have on. And, and, yeah, uh, and there's a lot more to discuss. And uh, Charles in Ohio just bought a Sargon CD, so I just want to oh. thank him for his uh, you, endorsement. You, that, that fight with Ted Cruz comments got a lot of people like, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> when you were like, I'd like to get Ted Cruz in here to agree to a consensual physical fight or whatever. Yeah, so what did, what did Huckleberry do? No, no, no. So, you know the saying, I'm your Huckleberry? No. It means like, uh. I'm your guy. Like, I'll fight you. Oh. No, no, no. Just, just, Ted, just Ted Cruz. <laughs> People are like, I'd like to see him come down here. I'll, I'll take it. I'll offer him money. All right. Let's just, uh, let's just, we'll do a couple more. Uh, Race Schwarzbach says, get him, Ian. <laughs> it's like, Dude, it's like individualism versus collectivism, man. It's, it's no, like I agree. It's individualism versus times. collectivism. But why would you give this much to collectivism? Because I think government is collectivism. I don't think it is. I think a proper government protects the individual. But who runs it? individuals the that collect- are appointed for that particular job and, and have proven appointed? themselves. Or well, like they, they get the job. Well, yeah, when you say individuals, apply. you mean it's a collective of individuals. Conceptually, it's a collective, but there is no collective that is separate from the sum of its individuals. I do agree with that. The individuals well, should be well, how, part of the collective oversight of the individuals. I'll read, I'll read a couple more, and then we'll continue this. Decentralized. In the, in the, in the, I like blockchain a lot for that purpose. Let's. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. How about we talk about... Technology and individualism for the extended members only thing, but we'll read a couple more super chats. JB says it's time for the civil war to officially. Oh no, we can't say that. Uh, nope, I'm not going to read the rest of that super chat. Sorry, JB. <laughs> Furry insanity says, look, this guy isn't as bad as Destiny by any means. I just don't get why why it seems he thinks it's okay for us to depend on China from earlier in the talk. I don't know if you got the essence of the point I was making, but that thank you for the first part of that, which was almost a compliment. Case closed. 93 says, Rucka, you f- you forget you did a Trump impression in My Name's Obama in 2012, yeah. ironically. I just never found myself doing this whole, today power is transferred over. Like, I never really tried to do that type of Trump. My, at my you know, 25 million view, I was born in my own hospital. Now, like, some a few people are like, oh, that's that guy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, the guy see. you've been hating this whole show. <laughs> Hashtag real name says, I think Rucka is wrong on a bunch of stuff, but over the years, he has definitely helped me work through my ideas. He caused some great conversations. Well, see? then that's uh, wonderful. But next, can you just like kind of agree with me so I know this show was not a total waste of time? <laughs> There's a lot of people that want to fight. <laughs> like, let's fight. Wow. So many Ted Cruz fans. I never would have guessed this. Uh, 37 says you have unlocked JRE Tim Pool for Timcast mode. Is that what that was? That was what, yeah. I Might mean, as well have uh, been rapping. Oh, dude. Uh, can you do that whole scream, uh, that whole rant again? Just, just do it again. I want, I have a better, better. All response. right. <gasps> no. I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> Maybe if they actually would watch the show, they would see. Can you just. Oh, I had one guy, like I've known for years. He's like, I used to be so proud of what you were doing. And then I realized you were just pushing an agenda. And I was like, what agenda is that? And he was like, it's very clear that you're trying to, you know, just you're, you're pro Republicans and these. And I was like, when have I praised the Republican Party? Certainly, I said there's good things about them for sure. So I'll take that, you know, absolutely. The critical race theory stuff, pushing back on that. But I'm pretty sure I think I've, I've always said I don't like Mitch McConnell. He doesn't do anything. The Republicans obstruct and they're part of the uniparty. But what would you, how would you respond to people that are saying you're, you're sort of grifting in the sense that you're like, you're getting so much money and prominence and you're, you're sort of rising up to be a force to be reckoned with on the right? Like, doesn't that make you on the right? Doesn't, or doesn't that make you kind of suspect in some Well, I think if you go to the actual forums where, you know, the hardcore conservatives are, they actually don't like me all that much. 
And I think it's funny, like when I went on Steven Crowder, it was really, it was really funny. The last time I went on, he was like, you know him, you love him or you hate him. And I'm like, you see, there you go. And so, uh, like, look, my American values test, I just took it. I get moderate libertarian. That's, 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 that's what I get. And, uh, my political compass is center left. And I think the issue is this audience that listens, I think the one thing that actually just defines them is discernment of media, right? The, the, a critical eye towards media is, is probably the principal factor. So if someone comes in and, or if like a, a news outlet says, you know, Donald Trump did a backflip. The people who watch the show are the kind of people who looked for the video to see if he actually did a backflip. And they'll watch my content and they'll criticize me when I got things wrong and send me corrections. Whereas people who watch mainstream corporate press are the people who just believe whatever it is they hear. So what ends up happening? Very critical of Democrats because they're the ones on the offense and Republicans don't do anything. So if the Democrats are saying something like, we're going to push HR1 and rapidly transform voting in this country. And then I actually did a whole segment where I was like, I actually agree with a lot of this bill. Well, the reason it's the focus on the Democrats and the Republicans, because Republicans literally did nothing. They did nothing. Nothing happened. Or a a good example is when the Republicans pass these tax cuts. Donald Trump gets these tax cuts passed. And then progressives start saying it's a tax cut for the rich, which they still do. And then Matthew Iglesias from Vox.com comes out and says it's it's like what what did he call it? He called it success that progressives has have convinced Americans they didn't get a tax cut when actually Trump did give a middle class tax cut. There's a lot. Shall I continue? I mean, I'm not getting the anger that I was getting before no. with that no, rant. And like when I saw that comment, I realized, oh, I had the perfect comeback. But like, I don't want to say it because what if you have another angry, an angry rant in you? <laughs> Probably. All There's right. A lot well, of words all jumbled let, up. Let's there. keep let's keep going. Well, let's we'll, we're going to take it to the uh, we've, we've gone a bit over on this one. We're going to take it to uh, TimCast.com and we'll make it this exclusive. You can swear in that one. And Give me something angry, please. Or what pisses him off, guys? How do I get him to... Me interrupting him a lot? No, when I get a bad <laughs> moniker of in Hearthstone. Meaning? Well, you got to fix your deck. Well, no, 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 no. Like, I'll, be, I'll be playing Tavern Brawl, right? Yeah. And right now they're doing one where it's like, the deck is, uh, the current Tavern Brawl is, you choose a class, you get some base cards, and you get hallucinations, which generate, you know, three random cards from your opponent's class. And then what happens when I'm playing, and every single time I use a hallucination, it's a six or seven monocost card, and I can't even play anything, and then they're just dropping one, two, three drops, and they're just hitting me, ping, 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 and then I can't even actually play well, the game. when you build your deck, are you building around No, no, around there's a Tavern the... Brawl. Do you get Meaning like... you, get a, you get a pre-built deck, but random, so there's an RNG in it. So the current Brawl is giving you random cards, and I'm like, what's Brutal. the point of playing? the game and you know what i get it it's rng you play the game that's what you get so i'll just concede like okay fine i get it game over mm-hmm. video games frustrate me there goes mad why like, unfair why, randomness why do they frustrate you so i i like games where you can understand the system figure it out and then increase your ability like get better at the game and then do better when there are certain games that are just like designed to frustrate you by you know like a good example of this problem was why the U.S. did not release Super Mario Brothers 2 in the U.S. They created something called, what was it called? Like Doki Doki Island Panic oh, no. or something? Okay. The original set, Mario 2 for NES, had a bunch of tricks in it that were meant to punish the player for no reason. For instance, in the original Mario Brothers, if you get a mushroom, you grow and it makes you strong. In the, in the, in the second one that was in Japan, you would hit a, hit a, a box or whatever and a, a, like a brownish green mushroom would come out of purple and it would kill you if you got it. And, P- and the American companies, the, uh, Nintendo of America said, but we just trained everybody how to play this game. Now you're punishing them needlessly so they're frustrated before they even play. The original Mario 
the first world shows you how the game works. Jump on the on the bad guy, hit the brick, get the mushroom, get the star. It's all there. Get the fire flower. The green mushroom gives you a life. The second version was just ridiculously hard and constantly trying to trick you. Like, oh, you know that thing you normally get? Oh, that one killed you. Ha ha ha. Yeah, so video games can frustrate me when they do that. Thank you for the feedback. Oh. oh imagine if I said that after that big rant. <laughs> I'd, have given, I'd have given you a high five. That would have been, that would have been epic. That would have oh, been man. like perfect. Either tonight or my life is a failure. I'm, I'm still deciding <laughs> to figure that out. But at least I thought about it after. We've got some Monday, Monday night quarterbacking or Monday morning quarterbacking. All right. Let's, uh, let's, okay, we're going to read one more. I mean, we've gone definitely over and we got to do the members only stuff. But uh, Daniel uh, Bundrick says, do you think the reason politicians don't solve problems is because problems are the reason they get elevated to power to begin with? I call it the save the save the whales effect. Do we even need Al Gore if we had nuclear? I certainly think uh, nonprofits, because I used to work for them, are supposed to fail. The uh, Not fail, I'm sorry. Uh, um, go out of business. Yeah. So I used to work for these nonprofits. And when you work for a small one, they say the goal of this nonprofit is to go out of business. We should not be needed. However, what, what happens? They grow, they get donations, and they find a new mission. The mission changes. Like, you know, Greenpeace. I worked for them. Their mission originally was to obstruct nuclear testing. That's a that's I, that's a that's a pretty great uh, mission in my opinion because nuclear testing was was very destructive in a lot of ways blanketed the earth with radioactive materials and really affected a lot of how we do science uh, um what is it like we, radioactive decay testing and things like that now it's like one of the reasons I quit was it just kind of felt like whatever sounded good they'd find a new new thing to fight against so I don't know that being said I agree I think politicians certainly love problems but I also think we never meet the end so there's always something to complain about there's always something that someone on YouTube will be upset about. There's always some video to make. It's one of the reasons I've, I've started reducing the content on my other channels, because I actually am self-reflective and thought to myself, if I'm doing six segments a day, because honestly, there's 50 things I could be watching, and as I often say, complaining about on the internet, that's probably not a good thing, and I should shift the focus in another, another direction, which is why I'm putting more effort in this Timcast IRL podcast, Timcast.com, and it's why, honestly, this channel is doing better and growing, because it's where my energy is at. I want to make sure we're having more substantive conversations, expressing different ideas, arguing with people on certain things, and not just being a, here's the latest thing I'm mad about today. So, like, to, like this episode was very much us having a discussion on government, politics, economics, philosophy, and less so us just screaming about, you know, what thing we particularly hate the most, although we are critical of a lot of things. So, anyway, that is being it, said, my black friends, people in your case? China. Oh, I'm 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 Communist really Party I'm China. afraid when I watch the the way the Nazis blitzkrieged into France I think that maybe China could do that to the United States and that Russia wouldn't do anything about it and if Russia didn't do anything about it and India didn't that would be the, probably China but not take in, over it's the not going to be into the U S it's not going to be like that if well they're, they're if, gonna, they cut out, if they cut out our, our uh, electricity grid and it won't it won't if no. if it all happened I'm talking they didn't expect them to go into France I hear you I hear you I mean if they want a piece of Tim Pool you know he'll be well, their okay. huckleberry It terrifies then me that's then the most we're going to go to the thing. members only my right, friends to you got to smash the like button I I can't you know it's 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 it, it breaks my heart every day you know we I got to remember to say smash the like button when we first start cuz we really need those uh, those likes man it's it's this is the only reason I do this I don't care about the money I just look at the podcast every day and I'm looking at the likes and if we get the likes, then I, 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 feel, I get a dopamine release, you know? It's, true, it's, yeah, it's yeah, I'm yeah. kidding. You know there are a lot of people like that, though. Um, you don't get a dopamine kick from, like, a bunch of likes? Not anymore. Not anymore. When I first started, I was really excited, like, seeing mm -hmm. the views and everything. Yeah. But this is another thing about, like, I don't do weekends anymore, and I got rid of three segments per day because it was it's bad. 
It's bad. It's an addiction. Like social media is devastating to people and people need to go outside more and like get, we got chickens. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's simple things, man. Mm-hmm. This is not all that there is, but I do want to make sure I'm doing right by the people who watch and, 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 and like this content and, and, you know, uh, uh, really do think it's valuable. So we're actually expanding. More importantly, I think it can't just rely on me. So when I was doing six segments, six individual segments every single day, no days off, and then Monday through Friday, this show, I was like, yeah, I'll probably die. And then what's left of the company and the people who work here. So we need to launch new shows, new brands. And that's what we're going to be doing soon. So that being said, my friends, thank you all so much for hanging out. And thank you for smashing the like button. Can I shout out some stuff like, uh, yes. Blog? Yeah. Oh, sorry to interrupt. Yes. I, all, all, that's all I do around we'll here. We'll do. We'll, we'll. <laughs> so, uh, go to timpass.com for the exclusive segment we're going to do next. And uh, we're live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. If you're listening on the podcast, leave us a good review because that also really helps. All of this engagement and interaction, you're basically telling, you know, these companies, whether it's iTunes or whatever, like, hey, this is good stuff. We really like this and it helps. You can follow me, all social media platforms at TimCast. My other channels are YouTube.com slash TimCast and YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. And Rucka's got some stuff to mention. Uh, you know, I mean, I almost wasn't even going to do this. I, uh, I've been focusing more on like comedy, music and stuff, what I know that I've uh, excelled at with pissing off plenty of people but not necessarily you at home so i think you might enjoy it check out rucka rucka ali go to ruckasworld.com by the way the sargon vinyl for a limited time can be yours and if you want it signed you know get get in touch with me maybe we can work something out uh right and uh you know because i've had some great discussions with tim in the past i've i decided i'll come on here and uh, have this conversation so if you invite me somewhere and if i say no it's nothing personal i'm just i got my priorities uh focused right now but i do do a podcast by the way a few mornings a week or five days a week, we got a revolving host uh, host cast. It's me, a hedge fund manager, a famous actor, and Nico Sotiracopoulos. And the podcast is called The Daily Objective. So, so cool. uh, subscribe to us at the Ayn Rand Center UK. That's awesome, man. Thanks. Um, thanks for coming. I I want to hammer home too how important it is. I think it is to talk about things you don't agree with and to have uh, tolerance. Is, is very important. We got to be strong mentally in the next 20 years, probably more than in the last 200. Well, we have, we have as to be important, a, if not more. We have to be a serious people. Yeah, we really got to start accepting each other whether, for our differences as well, well as our it, strength. But I, but I do think like, you know, if you if you may disagree with like Rucka, imagine all of these leftists who refuse to watch this show just because they disagree with me. <laughs> yeah, or, right. Be a beacon of what you want other people to be. Yeah, be be resilient and listen to the ideas you disagree with so that you know what those ideas are. You understand them. And by listening to this show, maybe maybe some people agree with you and they've heard your argument with me and they're like, that was a good point from Rocco or maybe vice versa. Now, the next time you hear that, you're going to be like, actually, I heard this good point from this dude and it makes you stronger and smarter. I love the way you defend yourself. Uh, that type of conviction and certainty needs to be recognized and applauded. And that needs to be uh, philosophically identified. And, uh, you know, we need to use that type of approach, looking at the facts and using logic. By the way, you can hate the Chinese, but you got to love their food. And thank you for and all this hospitality. It's only the CCP been. I'm a little nervous about. The yeah. people are amazing. Well, it's if, the communist monopoty that bothers me. If they provide me. the type of food and hospitality you guys have given me it's, while I've been here, I, and then call me comrade. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, follow me at iancrossland.net also if you want to. Thanks. Yeah, I uh, I was really glad to have uh, Ali tonight. And I think that... Uh, Having these kinds of conversations is really important. This is way more important than sitting down and just blandly agreeing with someone. Uh, I'm Sour Patch Lids on Twitter and Minds, and I'm Real Sour Patch Lids on Instagram and Gab. 
You know, whenever we have guests that people disagree with, they love to super chat the most to express themselves. <laughs> and I, I got to say, I really respect that. Yeah. And we don't do it intentionally. But we, what we do intentionally is try and bring in ideas that will be challenging. But I absolutely am grateful to all the people who super chatted because they wanted to express themselves challenging certain ideas. And thank you all so much for hanging out. We will have an exclusive members only segment coming up at TimCast.com for those that are interested. And we will see you all there. Bye, guys.